find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just of Sweet Dreams and Lights Out, and I have some amazing guests returning tonight, so if they want to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Carly, um, and I'm also known as Caro Jane on Tumblr and um, AO3. Hi, I'm Izzy, and I'm the dog mark on Tumblr. Awesome. Welcome back, guys. Um, so yeah, we are doing Sweet Dreams and Lights Out, and this is it's been a while since I've squished two together. Um, but there's just not a whole lot of Kurt or Blaine in these episodes. <laughs> and um, I thought it'd be appropriate. Plus, you know, something that I don't remember if I wrote this at the beginning of the notes or the ending of the notes, but something that I want to mention, we'll just start off with this, is that there's a lot of this nighttime imagery in these, you know, from 18, 19, and 20. It's, you know, shooting star, sweet dreams, lights out. And something that I think that's kind of interesting with this is that the show kind of changes gears after lights out. Um, and a lot of, there's some things that happen there. They are, I'm sorry, what am I saying? A lot of callbacks to the beginning of the season. A lot of the older plot lines are starting to get resolved or going, you know, they're finally going to move forward after this. It's just an interesting turning point in the season that kind of brings things starting to a head where it's, I mean, obviously wonderful and all or nothing are going to be the last two of the season, but I think that the tone of the show is starting, is going to change after this too. So. Well, I remember cause I, the last podcast that I did was the diva one and um, I, I listened to it um, just this week. I finally got a chance to got some time to listen to it. And um, I remember bringing up how, <clears throat> like dark and you know dreary the show was and i can't remember whether it was you carly or not but um then you brought up that the show literally like it gets darker and darker and we literally have this episode where the lights go out and then Mm -hmm. suddenly comes wonderful that's so bright and colorful and that kind of sets the tone for what happens then what 
continues on in season five. And I just, I never thought of it that way that we literally have an episode where the lights go out. It just kind of was really interesting to me. But anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's, yeah. I, I don't I'm know. If that with you. <laughs> I really noticed it. Um, when I first was, when we were first watching season four, but I definitely on subsequent rewatches and looking at it all together, we glee. I mean, no, obviously lights out is not really an ending episode in any sense of the word, but like tonality wise, I'm like, Oh, this feels like season four is coming to a close and wonderful kind of starts the season five ishness. If that makes any sense. So. Yeah. And season five has the like very colorful, very, Mm -hmm. uh, cartoonish kind of feel to it like if you think of like the Beatles episodes are very like 60s colorful and then you have the Gaga and and Katie episode which is crazy colorful and and (laughs) just crazy Mm -hmm. and then you have Puppet Master which again is very yeah it's it's like a spring like a a rebirth kind of thing after Um, Yeah, and then it gets dark in a different way for New York, but yeah, but but it's it's interesting. There's like like you can group these episodes together in that kind of way with just like the aesthetic of them, and and it's also in like what the the theme is in in the episode. Yeah, exactly. So, um. Let's let's jump right into sweet dreams here. And the theme of the week is dreams. Um, <laughs> we we'll literally write it on the whiteboard. Oh, man. And I wrote down, Brittany wants it to be sweaters, which is funny because back yeah. in Guilty Pleasures, she wanted it to be sweaters, too. But it, alas, <laughs> not going to be sweaters. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I had a th- When you said um, it's a new spring, well, literally, they are still in spring. Like, this is in March. And again, I'm going to be talking about my timeline that I created Mm -hmm. till you know, the end of time or at least the end of the season. Um, And I will probably have to reblog it multiple times so that people can see it. But we are in March. This is mid-March. And um, this is all happening really, really, really fast. So, Which is um, weird given like how like long it kind of stretches out as a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just very strange. feels like this year is never ending. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that is. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Do you guys remember, though, at the time we were like, when is regionals? When is regionals? Give us yeah. regionals. And the Brazilians <laughs> were like, we don't know. We can't tell you. <laughs> literally, oh, it was literally the last episode of the season. It was like, you really? Like, we have to, does that mean nationals is going to be the end of season five? Oh, God, could you imagine if they did that? We would have all been rioting. Well, Um, (laughs) Nationals was like, we had to wait all the way until after Christmas. Yeah, it was still still stretched out pretty bad. Episode 14 or something. No, it was episode 12, and then they had the 200 episodes Mm -hmm. or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, So, Sweet Dreams, um, which I think is the better of the two episodes. Um, Let's start, let's with talking about improbable things let's talk about <laughs> finn and puck at college um because it's a major <laughs> plot line here um this is finn's last episode yeah um yeah it is interesting in a lot of ways i think that it does tie up 
lot of his plot lines. I think that they knew, even though they they knew Lights Out was going to have a plot line with Finn in it, I get the impression that Ryan Murphy probably knew that Corey was going to be out for a while. I think that they knew that he was going to probably be in rehab or something. So... Well, I don't I don't really know a lot of this story, the behind the scenes story, but I think I've heard that like they were the ones that staged the intervention on him. Oh really? Like I I thought I heard that like it was it was Maybe yeah, I feel like that sounds familiar. people involved with the show that had an intervention with him. I, well, I don't know for sure though so you see this is the thing i mean people like to make fun of like used to like to make fun of glee and it's writing in that but i still feel like at least most of these episodes were plotted but like beforehand i don't know how soon they were like written and edited and all that kind of stuff so i feel like you know it was plotted to an extent but then as you say like things happened and i think things were happening even leading up to it that may have given them the impression that you know we you may need to make some changes mm-hmm. but it just it just boggles my mind that this one can this episode can do so well at kind of handling that whole situation and then the next one less so much because it is so choppy and changey yep. so, but <clears throat> we'll get to um, that when we get to lights yeah. out so Finn and Puck go to college. Actually, Finn's in college and Puck decides to visit. Let's remind <laughs> everybody that it is mid-March and you cannot join in the middle of a semester of college but Whatever. Well, make makes sense to me because in where I where I come from, um, that's usually when the the university year starts around um February March. So that makes oh, really? it makes total sense to me. Well, that's great. But, uh, <laughs> I'm glad American college. That see, and Kurt's going to be on his spring break, and Larissa's yeah. going to be having her midterm soon. You would not start college it unless it was a. I can't even think about. And short, no, most colleges, no. I mean, some colleges have trimesters, but it's still yeah. not split up that way. Well, so. see, this is the thing. I mean, we could start at the beginning of February at the latest for if you, if you start like mid-year. Mm-hmm. But, but even then you have to decide that you want to go to college and apply for college and get in, which takes months usually. <laughs> So college it's not like, one day hey, I want to go to college tomorrow. I'm in college. Well, okay. to be fair, with um, the only thing I'll say about that is that most community colleges, and didn't they set this up to be Lima Community College? Yeah, that's um, true. You, you can University get of in. Lima. You can pretty yeah. much get in in a community college. So Yeah, that, that you can get in probably like the same week as it starts or even like a couple weeks after it starts. Yeah. I, uh, I can give it that. I'll... I'll I'll suspend disbelief that much. Well, I've, got, um, then, I've just got a question because oh, I, sure. I like, again, I'm Australian, so the whole American college system is is like new to me. I only know about it obviously from TV and movies, and obviously movies like and TV like to make a big deal about the whole like pledging system and like parties and whatnot and all that jazz. Where you know here we kind of go to a college uh, university in our hometown and we all still live at home, so like whatever. Is it really like that? Like, do people really put slides in their dorm rooms and, like, party like <laughs> well, that? Okay, so I, I did want to bring this up because I thought it was really funny. Okay, 
So I went to a school that was semi-considered a party school. Um, there were parties. There were frat houses that had parties. The, the frat house thing, that's, and we'll, oh, I want to talk more about that scene in a minute, but definitely, definitely. The, the very opening scene where Finn's kind of imagining, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, fantasy and like, Everybody's like partying out on the in the campus. No, that doesn't really happen right. unless the only <laughs> the, thing that's close. Well, no, is, that was the 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 dance of the time, right? Yeah, the, way to date that kind of dated it a lot. What was that called? <laughs> the, the the Harlem Shake. Harlem Shake, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so like okay. people were doing that around. Yeah, like true, but not like that. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, with American football, sometimes like in football games, you have tailgating and. Things can get a little crazy, but not really like that. Yeah. Now, the dorm room <laughs> stuff. This is what I think is really funny. And I'm going to have to give a shout out to RBC Kerouac. Um, because she's the one that talked about this on another podcast. Or in, maybe it was in private. I don't know. I should probably ask her. She won't care. But, you know, I should probably mention that she's being brought up on the podcast. Um, I lived in the dorm room for two years. And... Yeah, people sometimes had parties. You couldn't bring alcohol. You couldn't, you know, whatever. And I, you know, up until recently, I was like, you know, having a slide in a dorm room was the most ridiculous thing I've ever, you know, like it just did. We never did anything like that. Even when there was like a, a, a floor party, that was just not something we did. And then I was talking to RB and she talked about um, one time that her, the floor RA said, yeah, go ahead, do that. And they actually had a slide in the hallway and they were doing that kind of stuff. So I can't say it's it was not impossible. Completely, yeah. Not completely unbelievable. But. No, it's <laughs> mostly unlikely, but <laughs> yes, you know, freshmen and sophomores in a dorm room like that are going to be a little crazy. Now I will, it's not relevant, but someday if you guys want to ask me, um, we had, I was in the marching band and we had a formal dance kind of like prom and my date, my friend's date were getting ready in the bathrooms and somebody had a bong in the bathroom and was getting high. And so, you know, things like that happened. Um, but yeah, mostly that, that, that doesn't sound yeah, abnormal for university slash college stuff. Most but. of the extensive partying stuff happened off campus at frat houses or yeah, houses. Yeah, that's, or, yeah, that's, that's what traditional... Uh, uh, media has taught told me but yes you know <laughs> yeah well the the party later in this show is like at a at a frat house the one in mm-hmm. their dorm um i could see that happening like but do, um, do community colleges have frat houses as well they i don't know well yes i, I didn't go to i went to a university again it so. depends on what exactly this this college is because it was called lima university which university, yeah it's not a community college. University is for university has an undergrad and graduate schools. Yeah. Um, as opposed, a college is just the four year graduate school, and a community college is usually two years. At, at least that's my understanding. Like, I th- I think there are some variations. Um, but so like if this is Lima University this is a four year school and yeah they have all of the the college I went to did, didn't have uh, frats at all um, 
it was a small private college, very different from like a state school, a public college or a, um, a big university, a party university. So like, but at the same time, like sometimes we got like crazy in our dorms and had parties, not all the hmm. time, but like. Yeah, this this seems like they're having parties like all the time. I was like, who's well, cleaning up well, after to be this? fair, Finn and Puck are trying to find them too. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny to me that this is the first time Glee represents college in a more traditional way because Niata is so not mm-hmm. a normal <laughs> college experience. No. Um, so, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I really don't, I, I kind of, when I, when they first time I saw this one and I just, I almost groaned at how cliche everything yeah. seemed, but at the same time, you know, Finn and Puck would probably be, you know, this makes sense for those characters. I mean, yeah. and, and like I, I was noticing the dorm room that Finn was staying in and it was very much, I mean, it was a little, it was okay. Way cleaner than any boys <laughs> dorm room is going to be, but it, it gave a real sense of what that kind of life was like. Um, so. It's yeah. Very- it's like the right size, the, the right kind of furniture. It, it, it looked like a college dorm room. And yeah. Oh, and I, I do need to mention, um, Finn ironing, not was it Finn that was ironing with the yeah. the grilled cheese, the grilled cheese with sandwich. The iron. Oh my oh. god! And oh then later god. on, Puck's like, "Let's make grilled cheese. I'll go get the iron." Yeah, <laughs> it reminds, like how reminds me of cheese press. Yeah. Oh, you know, we just like I don't even like when I make grilled cheese, I just fry it on the pan. Just, yeah. You have a maker, like a toasted. You know, you think yeah. it's probably the same thing, but you like close the lid and like. Yeah, yeah, but I don't have that. Like, like a, I, I know what it is. Press, I just yeah. don't have one. Yeah. yeah, a panini press, yeah. Yeah. But, like, this, this is the problem that I have is that I think I said this last time. Like, as soon as, like, uh, like uh, Finn left, like, graduated from high school, suddenly I couldn't help but think of him as much older than – he's meant to be, what, 18 or, 18 yeah. or 19. This 19, is the problem yeah. is that him, him and Puck in that, like, environment – they're just too old. <laughs> Sorry. They, yeah, it is. Well, they've they, the whole thing. I feel like this with all the characters that graduated. Whenever they bring them back, they are very much presented as much older than they really are. Yeah. And when they like, act nineteen, you kind of it's a jolt. Like, oh, right, they're supposed to be nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> and both, well, and I feel like Puck more to an extent, but both Corey and uh, not Corey, Finn and Puck are. God, I'm. Never mind. Corey and Mark are the same age and both yeah. in their 30s at this point. So yeah. it does feel very jarring. But um, I I think I liked this turn with Finn. I like this whole idea that he wanted to be a teacher and um, he's going to take it seriously to go get his teaching degree. I mean, this is after the fallout with Will. Um, and then I also really like the scene where Puck tells him to like get his act together. Like, you're an inspiration to me and you're going to be a great inspiration and a good teacher. You need to take this seriously. And then and Puck said he was going to stick around and work on his screenplay and not enroll, but like hang out and make sure that Finn does what he says he's going to do. And I am a little sad we didn't get, because I think that's yeah. where season five would have probably gone. Is that's, that That's what I want to know. Yeah. What would they have had like a full time him at college thing or was it him, you know, visiting Lima and getting his like credit? 
was Puck going to be like a full time well, character? They had that at the end when he yeah, went back. Yeah, the end. Where they kind of set it up that he would be coming back and getting credit for for mentoring. Mm. Um, so, Which is kind of what you know Rachel and, and Kurt do. Um, well, not Rachel. Kurt does um, with Niata in season six. Like I'm going to go back yeah, and get that, credit for teaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, they because people always at some stage did say that it almost felt like what Rachel and Kurt were doing in season six was kind of like what they always intended Finn to do, and like they were yeah. going to try and wrap up that story, like that story using um, Rachel and. Yeah, curtains. that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So, but I, um, I don't know. I don't know if we're jumping ahead or if we're sticking with this first scene or not, because we, you did kind of bring it up. How Puck says something about I can't remember the exact line, but like you, you know, you remember you can be a, a crappy student, but you can't be a crappy teacher. Yes. I just thought that was the. And then yes. I was like, well, you can preach, you can preach it all you want, but then you have will. So like, yeah. I don't know. But, but I mean, okay. like. Finn was a great teacher in the... He was. Like, so much better than Will. Well, then this is my thing. And this I was going to bring this up when we talked about Will, but I guess we can bring it up now. <laughs> Something that um, really sticks with me was that line, because... because I, and I'll explain a little bit more, I guess... Um, you guys, don't let me forget to talk about the frat, okay? Because we're going to talk about Finn and Will, because yeah. I need the size of it. But don't let me forget to talk about the frat. Okay. Um... The Finn was a mentor to these kids. Yes, back in high school, he was probably kind of friends. Oh, he's definitely friends with Artie and Sam, but like he was definitely these kids' mentor. Will keeps trying to be their friend. And one reason, and we'll get more into it, like Will is really pissy during this episode and he yells at everybody. And then when he comes back and tries to apologize, he very much does so as a, hey, BFF, I'm so sorry oh. I made you upset. And, you know, we can just win this together. And Glee was, a you know, a very special place for everybody. And, you know, let's just be BFFs again. And I'm like, that's the problem. It's that just Finn was a teacher. And you cannot be BFFs with your students. Okay? Which you is can't. strange because Finn went to school with some of them. And you'd think he would... He would find it harder to like not blur the lines between being their friend and being their teacher but he was yeah, way better way better because will had issues with being friends with these kids the entire like in season one exactly i mean at no point did did finn really like abuse his friendship with Artie or sam no. i mean i know Artie and, and finn like went off and found emma and did a you know the grease together but at no point did i feel like finn was abusing his mentorship over these kids whereas will is always doing that <laughs> so and and just oh my god so just will watching will do that i'm just like no he will's, so. will's just a horrible person and i dislike yeah. how the show frames him as like like almost as if he's something to aspire to yeah in a way yeah. like mm-hmm. he's never wrong no. mm. so let's talk about um the finn and will stuff real quick um <laughs> Will finally remembers how to be an adult. Kind of. Apparently. I mean, like, he's still, an, an, you know, Finn's like, Finn, he, okay, no, it was Beast who was like, you know, you got to get over this. Finn is your friend and you don't want to 
uh, be like this first of your life. And Will's like, eh, I'm not really over it. But then he goes over and he tries to apologize. Finn's like, you know what, dude? Uh, you know, you sucked and I don't really want to deal with it. I'm And Finn's 19 and still, like, yeah. just now going to school and, and grappling things, whereas Will's the adult. But you know what Will does right after that scene that he talks to Finn? That's when he goes and yells at the kids. He's because, an awful human being. Yeah. Mm. He so. yells at Blaine, and I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> you can't yell at Blaine. But no, really, <laughs> none of those kids, especially especially the unique stuff. Like, yeah, that's No. <laughs> <laughs> Will, you are incorrect. Um, but... Um, they do. I mean, and I guess I really don't like the resolution either because at the end of it, Will and Finn have this short little talk again, and they're BFFs again. And I'm yeah. like, it just feels a little hollow. But I think that they, you know, they needed like one scene to wrap it up, and so they did. Um, so that's my two um, cents on that. No, as I, I just, as I said, like the way that. Um, yeah, Will is always framed as something like that Finn should like aspire to be is just something that frustrates me because he's such a good teacher in his own way and in his own right. And like, had the show continued forward with whatever they were going with, I sincerely hope that it would have been like just kind of shoving Will away and just letting Finn be the coach of these kids because he was just so much better at it. Sorry, Will. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. Um, I'm going to try something. Sam and Blaine were pretty damn good yeah they were actually probably the best but I <laughs> yeah think, no but i think finn did a great job um so the last thing that i wanted to bring up with the finn stuff is not the will finn stuff um is most morally uh, more so the the frat scene because i think it's really funny finn and pot go to a frat they save the day <laughs> by singing um yeah, you're your right. right. Fight for your right to party, which I, whatever. It's too heavy metal for me. I can't listen to it. But oh, I um, love their version. It was fun. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I, when you're watching it, uh, like I did, you know, with I assume it, that happened. Like it came from a commercial break. But like I can't. I, I need to because I can't remember. I rewatched it yesterday. It goes from like I think it goes from Rachel and Shelby and their lovely, lovely number straight into like fight for your right to party, and it's such a jarring like thing when you're re-watching it mm-hmm. just to go from yeah one theme to another i i just said probably made more sense when it was airing because there was a commercial break but is it, it like a kiss into hell to the no yeah well i mean no that, that, that was not a right. commercial break though that was intense. that was great yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's definitely uh yeah there was definitely a commercial there so yeah. it makes more sense where where you coming back here in a commercial and all of a sudden the fight for your right it's it's a fun song but does mm-hmm. anyone else i can't remember i don't think i'm making this up but when just before this episode aired there was like spoilers in inverted commas going around that somebody was going to go to a party and those spoilers were specifically that it was Kurt and Adam. Yes, and that's why I wanted yeah. you guys not to let me forget <laughs> to talk about this. Because <laughs> the funniest, it was so funny, because um, they got the sides to this one. And this is around the time the I Do stuff was happening, where yeah. um, that was, Ryan Murphy was pissed off because one of the TV line guy or somebody was, <laughs> like, speculating <laughs> about Kurt and Adam. And they said, no, Kurt and Blaine are going to be, you know, an I Do. So then the same guy was like, well, I just got sides and it looks like Adam and Kurt are going to go to a frat. And yeah, that's everyone it. was like, 
what the what? hell is that? And so we saw the episode and it just cracks me up because first of all, Adam and Kurt going to a frat doesn't really make any sense. And um, it's even Miata hilarious. Having a frat? Miata having a frat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of funny. But um, But the fact is that one thing that I actually really loved about this scene was that Finn and Puck are, you know, basically told that they, you know, are totally gay and whatever. And they're like, whatever, cool. Yeah, yeah they're totally awesome. cool with it. Yeah. That's why, like, Puck has, we didn't really touch on Puck because he he has, his, when he, uh, talking to Finn about, like, what he wants to do and how he wants to sit around and write his screenplay. And then you know what he does end up doing. Like, he has one of the best arcs in the whole show, mm-hmm. honestly, except for that weird part where he dated Kitty. That was a bit weird. But like, but like, especially here, like how far he's come, it's such a tiny, tiny moment, but it's just like so indicative of his character and what mm-hmm. he, what happened to him. And I just really liked it. Yeah, me too. Um, but also that guy was so wrong. And again, it's oh, like, oh, it was very frustrating I know. that this guy was trying to push Kurt and Adam so hard. And everybody was like, no, get over it, Blaine but, and Kurt are the thing. So hasn't Adam Adam already had his last episode as well? Oh yeah. That was yeah. Like he just disappeared. He'll come back, they'll they'll drop his name into conversation a couple of times. And that's it. That's it. And he'll yeah, he'll it. kick he'll kick Kurt <laughs> out of uh But he was a but don't you know he loved Kurt so much more than Blaine? He was such a like he loved him uh, so much. He supported him so much. I can't trust the guy who names his acapella group after himself. <laughs> Blaine, even Blaine didn't do that. Total problem. Mm, I like Adam just fine, but that's whatever. We'll. Oh I no, I I I I feel terrible because again, my perception of his character is unfortunately soured by gross people in fandom. So, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I know Same. that he was he was perfectly fine and unfortunately he didn't have a lot to do and i feel like if he had more then it would be different but people took the tiny tiny things that he did do and tried to be like look how much better he is uh, uh, like for kurt than blaine and i yes. and as much as i hate that kind of um thing happening i also was like you've got like he he barely had any screen time i don't understand and as yeah it's just uh, it's an unfortunate situation that I can't look back on him fondly because some of the stuff that happened was kind of like, especially the stuff when he, I mean, you've already discussed it when they, they, they Kurt asked him out. That was kind of sweet, but I can't look back on it. I don't know. He just looks looks like he smells like patchouli incense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks Carly for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's not wrong. He doesn't need like too many, too many beanies. Yeah. Well, anyway, going back to this episode. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. As a tangent. No, no, no. You're. T- I mean, come on. Everybody's allowed. They're one tangent. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll remember that. No more. <laughs> um, no. Getting on to the other things. Uh, there is the only other Finn thing is the Rachel phone call, but we'll talk about New York in, oh, in a, yeah. a little bit. Um, so the the rest of the Glee Club um, is having to deal with Will being a pissy pissy person and um will wants to do all of these dream related songs um and they're not even dream related songs so so much as they just have dream in dream their in title. title yeah yep. exactly dream, dream weaver sweet dreams and sweet dreams are made of this and then you make my dreams come true which they have like blaine says they, they, they already did three. but they remembered that 
Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, so um, Blaine remembers it. Yeah, Blaine remembers. Why wouldn't he? he? Was wearing an amazing porno stash. So, um, the rest of the Glee Club kind of has what Glee considers PTSD. Um, I'm. Do it's do nice that they're dealing with it though. Like, yeah, it's something because I feel like it would have been worse if they literally just like, hey, that was a shooting episode. Everyone's fine. That's true. Um, it is still, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to diagnose anything. This is a really weird way to like, but <laughs> I'm I just, whatever. I'm not going to question it. This episode is just kind of bizarre in a lot of things anyway. So, um, like, I mean, let's go through them. Uh, Tina's new outfit. She changes outfits. She, she likes to dress up. She dressed up as a vampire and to scare the the principal she like <laughs> that wasn't out of character for her no i don't think it is it, like it, she looked awesome as steampunk yeah she should have kept that look that's really kind of fun yeah, steampunk yeah. tina um reminded me of first season tina sam um is having separation anxiety and um is he was it you that was saying that possibly because of like wanting to get to Brittany or carly was that you or i don't remember it yeah, well, as I said, one of the things that I remember most about uh, uh, shooting Star was this moment where, like, they, like, basically tackle him to the ground and, like, they have to put, I think it's Beast and Will have to, like, put their hands over his mouth to stop him making, like, like sound. And it's just one of, like, it's probably one of the more heartbreaking moments of that episode just because it's mm-hmm. so, like, and I suppose that would affect somebody, I guess. I don't know whether it's separation anxiety, but, again, yeah, not psychological. How does that develop into multiple personalities though well I, he's it's not it's definitely not multiple personalities in the traditional sense like the disorder mm-hmm. um it's sam is a an impressionist yeah and so it's it's kind of just like his coping mechanism i guess mm-hmm. i mean not bad, but it's more New Zealand than Australian. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> it starts it's off really good, but then he starts speaking more. I'm like, mm, not quite. It's an American trying and an, an accent of something that it's, they've heard He's on trying TV. Australian and it ends up New Zealand. It always does. Oh, I'm so glad that we can differentiate between that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is New Zealanders have all the sheep. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, so then we have um, we have Unique, who is <laughs> trying to grow boobs with uh, birth control. But that's it, it like, does. Oh, that that's just part of like her her past being a transgender woman. I feel like yeah, it's it's definitely. That. I I don't know enough about transitioning to know like is that a safe thing to do is it morally correct in that like because she's concerned because of her because of unique's health and well taking um, hormones like that you're not prescribed is never safe yeah psa like uh and and she she, I, i don't think she has access to good information or um, there was there was a story here with mm-hmm. Unique that they never really like it was always happening in the on the fringes 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like obviously moments like this where we referenced it, but it never really like as it, they could have done something with it, and they never they could really have. Did. And I mean, I I realize that they're kind of going to do this with Coach Beast later on, but yeah, yes, Unique may have known like she was Unique for a long time, but she's still going through this processing of physical changes, and it, it was worth exploring more than the kind of jokiness that they gave it. But mm. um, plus, yeah, I really. So- like timing wise like we're putting it with like the quote-unquote PTSD symptoms that everybody's supposedly showing um it's it's more stress it's it's not like well I guess post-traumatic stress but PTSD is something very specific that I think like like OCD is used, like the term is you overused. Or yeah, well, misdiagnosed is the right way yeah, to word it. Yeah. But it's not correctly represented, I mm-hmm. guess. So and I mean sometimes like your behaviors get a little more not outlandish, but exaggerated when you're when you're stressed. So so that could be where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it just, it's sad to me that somebody who's supposed to be uh, a mentor and an educator says just an unfounded comment like that. I mean, I can see you get mad, you know, and he does, none of the people that got yelled at deserved to get yelled at, yelled at but that seems particularly yeah. cruel, so... I thought he showed the most signs of, like, quote-unquote PTSD. Because um, his irrational anger and outbursts like that were were very, like, in line with that. And he even, like, after he yells at them, he walks out and he looks like, why did I do that? Like, he has mm. a, a look of regret. That I I usually miss. I I noticed it last time I saw it, but like, where like even he can't understand why he like went off the way he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean that's not to like excuse him at all because, like you, even even when you're stressed, you like you're not excused for for your behavior if it hurts others, which this definitely hurt yep i've already we've already alluded to the fact that yeah he yells at blaine and it's like why are you yelling at blaine but more I, I will say we didn't mention it but i do want to the reason why will makes the comment is because unique goes like you're gonna need some woman parts for this or something and i actually really like that line where she gives him um where she gives blaine like her um oh that's right the, cut, the cutlet yeah, the cutlet, yeah. Well, that's kind of funny, too, because, I mean, God. Well, you're going to get pissy about that, too. Jeez. Like, ugh, <laughs> uh, whatever. Why did the writers hate Will so much? I, I don't... But as I said, they keep framing him as if he's in the, like, right, though. Like, or at least that he's worth aspiring to be. And this was something that I didn't mention, but I want, I feel like I should have, when we were talking about Finn... And this has been said before as well. Like Finn looks at these kids and he can't help but compare them to the ones that have come before them. And he doesn't see them as their own group of people. Mm -hmm. And that just makes me so 
angry because that is like that is you have like one job as a teacher and that is to like you know see the group of children in front of you and try and like push them to be their best and all he's doing is comparing them to somebody else that he wishes was still around and it's just like not it's just speaking of being like crappy teacher well part of being a teacher is putting aside your personal problems yeah and he he never does that no Okay, so kind of moving on, there's, um, the only other little thing was Brittany gets into MIT, and of course this is set up for the finale, and yeah. they knew going in, they were going to write Heather Morris out because she was pregnant, so. So let's take a second and talk about Marley as a songwriter, <laughs> which is great, um, you know, it's, she, after, you know, the stuff with Shooting Star, she decides to really put herself out there. And, and oh, speaking of Will never getting over the original uh, group, she brings up, you know, you guys did original songs two years ago. Yeah. Let's do oh, it yeah. now. And he says something like, you're not going to. He says, yeah. you, you, that was another group, you know. That was yeah. a different time. And that pissed me off so much because, it, you know, that just. Talking about mm-hmm. not helping a student achieve what they really want to do, that just drives me crazy. So Yeah. And, and like, just to tie into the theme of the episode, this is, like, her dream. And, like, he's literally, like, snuffing it out. It. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought it was funny. Um, Marley's, like, I have a song for us to sing. And Kitty's, like, I don't want to yeah. sing about... Having a fat, fat mom, mom. And, and she kind of sh- shuffles something away, and she's uh, she like, or, or being well, an a teenage anorexic, or like yeah. this, and and Marla's like shuffles. Well, then, I have this other song. <laughs> I thought that was really cute. <laughs> Marley's songs just... are kind of like they're they're cheesy and like very young. Well, we got to hear, like, you know, My Headband and, like, Only yeah. Child. I would uh, be intrigued to hear what Marley's song about her mom would be about. <laughs> I think it would be much sweeter than anything any of the others wrote. Yeah, you still. cannot tell me this. these songs. I do have some thoughts about these songs, but you cannot tell me these are any better or worse than it's, what Rachel came up with. I mean, come on. Okay. I think we. Uh, this has been probably just like said before, and I I'm totally on this team. Like I didn't like Loser Like Me initially, and then the tour sold me on it. Like when they were the Glee Live tour, and suddenly mm-hmm. like Loser Like Me was like the best song ever. So like I, I unfortunately always compare e- any original song to that one, and like aside from the jokey ones. And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure, didn't they have, like, the I forget their names, like, the guys that wrote Let It Go come in and do these original songs? You know, I was going to say, this was my thing, Marley's going to have a fantastic career as a Disney songwriter. Yeah. Because these yeah. two songs really, I, I do think they're kind of cheesy. I do think they're a little Disney. I, I think that it, it completely comes off as if Marley is a Disney princess and, you know, Blaine and Sam and Unique are her animal friends. And they are singing about, you know, all of their Having magical more friendships. Friends than you know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Blaine is, Blaine is our Disney prince because he just looks like it. It just cracks me up. I, I don't I don't particularly like the song. Um, no, but not it's not. Why. It's cute, but it's like, it's sort of lame. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, but I mean, she's 15. I mean. Yeah. Exactly. I, they're, they're perfect for her character. 
they're cheesy and they're young sounding and they're like their models are like the best they're thing like ever. songs but, that marley would write like but also like her friends do a better job of like fostering her enthusiasm and her dream than her teacher and that's what's <laughs> wrong I, I really like it from the Blaine point of view that Blaine is really trying to be the leader of this group this year. And yeah, he's the one that like really encourages her and encourages her to talk to Will about it, even though she says, no, he won't listen to me. And, and he looked, um, he looked really good in that pink cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> and this is after he got like, he got yelled at for being yeah. the leader of the group too. Well, this is the thing. Like I, again, I, there was this big divide in fandom about, um, you know, Blaine, where, where Blaine was going to end up in terms of career wise. And of course, like, I'm so glad that it was performing, but, there is something to blame being a teacher because he's so much better that, at it than Will is, <laughs> especially in moments like this. Um, one real quick thing before we really jump onto the blame stuff. Um, Outcast is the song they sing as a group in it, at the end. And I did think that Outcast kind of had the same loser like me feel. Yeah, I think loser yeah. like me is a little bit catchier. Um, yeah. I kind of like it better. But this one did remind me a lot of that. And I think this is supposed to be season four's Loser Like Me. But it didn't work because we've, again, like it's been discussed before. Like these kids aren't really quite as like alienated and disliked as like the last group was. No. Uh-huh. I, yeah. That, that's, that is true. Like, they don't really sell me on the fact that they're outcasts per se. Like the school never really kind of goes I mean, after them in the same way. Unique, yes. But even and and Tina in the future, like with the prom stuff, but like really? Yeah, that's true. Well, they are outcasts with the fandom and we can break fourth wall here. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. Fandom all hate. That was stuff, I know. that was actually the thing that I wrote down about this song was that the the main group singing are of course like the newbies. And like I guess this is them trying to set up the these group of kids as like the next generation of like they should like this is what they should have done like maybe a couple of episodes ago but not at the very beginning of the season like they needed to do this better but yeah setting them up as like you know Finn's charges next season well in in high school everybody feels like outcasts yeah that's true even if they're not like yeah it's kind of being part of a teenager <laughs> nobody understands me <laughs> So, um, talking about the Blaine, and I, I kind of want to talk about we 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 talked a lot about already um, him being the you know the, he calls himself the new Rachel, but um, the leader, and he he has the secret meeting. He calls the secret meeting. Um, I love that you know he's concerned about Sam, and Artie's just like let it go. <laughs> but he is he's really kind to Marley and wants to help her out, and it it. When Will yells at him and he gets these puppy dog eyes and you're just like, oh. why are you yelling at him for trying to, you know, uh, yeah. It's it's really, really upsetting, especially because, like, what, be, he was gone until I do. And then I do through, through this, he was really bad because he was, like, either... Um, upset about Emma leaving and, and trying to get her or feuding with Finn and Blaine has taken over 
in yeah. in all of those times to where he has failed. So so Blaine has stepped up and and now Blaine is stepping up again because that's how he's used to it because of that's how Will leaves it for him for for them. Um, and he does it again and he gets yelled at for it and told What's he's a bad leader. What's the thing like back what like when say it was you know Rachel as leader of the glee club I guess she would just kind of make the whole thing about her so Will would have to come in and like rein everybody in whereas Blaine doesn't make everything about him so I mean that's minimizing what what, what Rachel did and sure but like Blaine is just better at it and so he's like oh yeah I'm gonna come in and save the day but they don't need saving because Blaine's doing a fine job. I don't know. No, no, I agree. Will's just, Will's just a bad teacher. Blaine is picking up the pieces and and trying to like say, well, we we discussed this and and we don't we don't agree with you. Oh my god, you don't agree with me? You're undermining my authority. Blah blah blah. It's like, didn't the other Glee Club do that like all the time though? They under like they never listened to Will. No, never, Finn like, and Rachel did their own thing all the time. Like yeah. Millennia, so why is it suddenly a problem? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so for for the teacher who has been absent for like half the year. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part that Blaine is in, um, well, Cheerio Blaine. <laughs> Cheerio Blaine. Cheerio Blaine. Well, okay, so we get Coach Roz's return, and Coach Roz kind of comes back now that um, Sue has been let go for shooting star stuff. Um, shout out to, I, I don't know, maybe you guys have some thoughts on uh, Coach Roz in the beginning of this episode has an interesting little spiel about you know, uh, the school shooting and how she just sees it differently because in her neighborhood, you know, she, you know, couldn't go to sleep at night without two gunshots. So it's just an interesting different point of view on everything. We kind of talked about that in, in the shooting episode where, uh, how, like, well, black Joan Lennon K, she said, you know, yeah, it was yeah. definitely something that was going her, her on. Her neighborhood was uh, a lot different growing up than than the Glee kind of, which is more what I was used to. The like, my high school very much resembled what Glee looked like. Um, not as crazy all the time, but um, so like the reaction, it was it was interesting to get. Uh, uh, Roz's reaction, which was more like what what Kay was saying during Shooting Star. Coach Roz takes over the Cheerios and um, she brings in Blaine and um, Becky. Mm-hmm. In one this of, I think this episode's funniest scene is this one. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, one thing I do hate about it is that she can't tell the difference between two different people with Down syndrome and one is a newborn infant and one is a teenage girl. The joke that Becky is adult baby Robin is old. I mean, I get they're finally, you know, it's been all year. They haven't mentioned Sue's baby. Yeah. Like 
I forgot about Sue's baby, and I think the show forgot about Shih Tzu's baby <laughs> after this because she's never mentioned again. But like, <laughs> a big I think part of season three. I think she's mentioned one more time by Roz to Sue, and Sue is like, "That's a different person from Becky," and she's like, "What? You're friends with somebody with Down syndrome, and you have a Down syndrome baby, and your your sister with Down syndrome." <laughs> I think that was in what? season six. Yeah, but anyway, um. But yeah, that that joke it, it's it's a little old. It is. It get, well, and especially like we'll talk more about it in the next episode. But this is a really funny coach, Roz. You know, she comes in, she does her little guest appearance. Her talking about handsome fruity voodoo <laughs> and Blaine <laughs> cracks me up. But Coach Roz is a little overused by the time we get to Lights Out, but we'll talk yeah. more about that when we yeah. get to Lights Out part of it. Just like the way I like, and I will never <laughs> copy it. I, it. It looked like really, really fun, for, uh, a lot of fun for Darren and um, I always forget her, her name. Um, Lauren, yeah. Lauren, yeah. Darren and, and Lauren to, to do this. It looked like they had fun together and Darren was like going slower to yeah. have Lauren catch up and like because they had to say it at the same time it, it it was cute yeah well and it's her just her rant about how she thinks that Blaine put a hex on Sue to make <laughs> Sue go crazy to shoot off a gun because none of it makes sense and the fact that Blaine's she knows that Blaine's never done it uh uh a cheerleading routine, yet he is yeah. captain, and <laughs> she's so like onto him. It, for a second, I'm like, oh, they kind of slightly remembered that Blaine infiltrated the the Cheerios, but it, it it's so funny. I really the comedy of the scene really really works. Um, and well, like they were setting it up for what was was going to happen in the next episode, wherein he discovered what happened, and you know this this set a light bulb off like hey something's not right here and of course you know we never got to see it yeah we just got those uh behind the scenes photos of yeah oh. of the scene. Oh, i wanted uh. to see them <laughs> i wanted to know nice bird um, i think it's interesting like y- you just mentioned a little earlier that Dar- uh blaine was wearing like the pink a uh, pink yeah, shirt the pink shirt pink cardigan like all the other Cheerios, when they're Cheerios, uh, they're always in their Cheerios outfits. But Blaine's Blaine, not. thank God. Like, like I love Cheerio Blaine, but like I love his little outfits. The just as an aside, though, I noticed this this whole episode. He wasn't wearing a bow tie. No, but he does next episodes. But we'll get back. He to does that. at the end of next episode. He does. This is the thing that I wanted to to just kind of bring up. Because there's an interesting, like, there's something going on with Blaine. Like, we talk about the PTSD of some of the other characters. Obviously, Blaine doesn't feature, but somehow we go from shooting star in 18 to wanting to get married in 21. And so something happens in these episodes that makes him need to do that. And, like, we never get an explanation. And I know a lot of people have, like, met it about, you know, how we get from point A to point B. But, like, there's just nothing in these episodes that suggests that that's going to happen, and that really disappoints me. We we kind of talked about that in Shooting Star, how, um, like, because we were talking about how the timeline, as as you have mapped it out, Pam, that it it's really quick. Um, shooting Star comes, 
and then these two episodes are like the week, the next week, and then um, spring break with uh, it's wonderful and regionals are right after that, and um, uh, and love, love, love is like pretty much two two and a half <laughs> to three weeks after shooting star. Yeah. So like those feelings of like life, life is so short, like anything could happen. Like those are very, very new and like fresh in the mind. Well, that's the thing. Cause we go from, I mean, this is jumping ahead, but we go from, you know, life's too short. Let's make every moment count to, Oh, we're too young for this. Oops. Like it's just it's just interesting to see how like this this their everything that happens and how it progresses. But to focus on what's happening here, yeah, it seems like that's the the motivation. But I feel like it's never articulated. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. And the thing that okay, so kind of bringing this all together, there has been a lot of meta that the stuff in the shooting star episode kind of provokes Blaine into I have to grab onto Kurt now while I have the chance. There, mm-hmm. It's not explored in canon, and there really is nothing in canon to set it up. Um, but on top of the, that... The only thing that's really explored is, like, when he's talking to, to Mr. Hubble, um, and yeah. when he, he's saying, like, you don't know what it's it feels like to have waited so long for this to happen. It's like, at the time when I was watching it, because... It's so removed from like the shooting star, so it's like like if you but if you put them together, like you've waited so long, like um, for marriage to be legal, and and it feels like life can end at any any moment, kind of feeling from going through a traumatic traumatic event. If you put them together, like you get that headspace, but. Yeah, like you said, it's not really explored. Well, okay, so to kind of um, gonna actually go back and, and kind of try to put this all in one big context, you have in mid February Blaine hooking up with Kurt, feeling that he's most or more or less back together with Kurt. You don't get any kind of development of Blaine's character from episode fourteen all the way to twenty one. That's a, I mean, a lot of people say the same, you know, about. The Kurt stuff too, you know. You kind of get the, the the wrapping up of Sam Crush in seventeen, but from you know fourteen through twenty one, there's no real clean development or Kurt or Blaine individual, you know, development. Yeah, they don't even, they don't even talk. They, you know, so but if, when you look at the timeline, when it's mid February to mid March, there's a month that goes on, um, and in that point, we assume everything happens off screen. It's basically the writers said, okay, we're going to drop, the, not talk about this thread right now and do this little thing with like catfishing and shooting, uh, you know, gun <laughs> sh- shooting and whatever. We're going to ignore Clayne for like these three episodes, you know, or you know, whatnot. And then we'll pick it back up when we're at the end of the season. Um, when you compress the timeline, it makes sense. But when, you know, with all this stretched out material and no focus, it feels lost amongst all the other storylines. Not to mention, you have to infer so many things that are going on. Like, what is Blaine's motivation for getting, you know, married right now? And I do know, on top of that, um, that Ryan Murphy was really dead set on having this conversation about teen, or not teen marriage, not teen marriage, gay marriage. 
And yeah. um, yes, it was a, a public thing. Yes, this is really, I mean, um, the year that Glee ended was when gay marriage was legalized in the U.S. So it was very much something that Ryan Murphy was passionate about. And I, Ryan Murphy also got married around season four. Was I mean, he, I know he had a kid in season four. The, yeah, he had a kid. So he that. just right? gotten married, though. Got married. I think New York happened, like, right around this time. Like, they mention it, actually. Oh, um, okay. That New York became legal. And when New York happened, like, a lot of the other states followed like right at very quickly after in in the real world not not just glee i mean for for gay marriage so it was like huge it was like the center of all news uh like stories and and um politics at the time mm-hmm so, so yeah, so bringing it out, you can kind of mesh up the meta together. Um, and I can even say going forward, th- the differences between Blaine needing to do this right now to hold on to Kurt because he has to, and Kurt feeling not ready is going to delve into the season five issues that they have. But I think Again, that, that's stuff that never gets explicitly mentioned. No, mm-hmm. and it is messy and there is no real, like we can definitely have conversations and write fanfics about it and whatnot, but just... Glee dropped the clean storyline, and when they picked it up, they just picked it up out of nowhere. Um, they this didn't. Is the thing, though. I feel like had it been anybody else, we wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> you know, like any any other any other storyline. Look mm-hmm. at Britannia. What, what's going to happen with Britannia in season five? It is literally just out of nowhere that they decide to throw yeah. them back together again. But nobody really wants to talk about that. Um, <laughs> it isn't such a Britannia fan. Yeah. So. I, I don't think it is completely. I just, this is just how Glee tells its stories, and I, you know, we're in a closed canon now. We can't change anything. We can't add anything or subtract. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. So I appreciate the fan fiction that it came out of this yeah, time period. I, I appreciate the discussions that I can have with you here, but I, there's no sense in me just being eternally irritated at what we didn't get. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, uh, I feel like having, uh, I don't like to say having less, like a lot less is ter- like what I want, but having less is better than having too much that kind of muddies it too much. Like, I feel like they wouldn't have handled it well anyway. Right. So, I like at Finchel or Wemma and the stuff that they've yeah. put them through. I wouldn't have yeah. wanted Clean to have the dysfunctional relationships that those couples had. So Yeah, correct. So, I mean, and we, we have got some great people that have pieced together, you know, Blaine's headspace from point A to point B. And so th- th- that is what I have adopted since. So. Yeah. I've, I've always had a little trouble with it, especially, like, going into Love, 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 because there was, like, the big summer hiatus. Yeah, it feels like they had, like, they literally wait, like, it was such a long time when, as you say, like, regionals happens and then, like, literally, like, a couple of days later, love, love, love happens. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> when I watched it, I I didn't really like love, love, love because I couldn't buy into him. I mean, I thought it was so romantic, but so wrong, basically. Well, that's the thing. I was on page, like, I think everybody was pretty much, this is happening too soon. Like, this doesn't make sense. I don't, like, I don't, like, in their rational mind it 
didn't make sense, but like everybody was swept, like Kurt, we we're all swept up along with the romance of the whole yeah. proposal. I also think there's a lot of, um, uh, when we talk about Lights Out, um, you know, we'll talk about kind of the ending of the season four kind of feel. I think season four and season five are kind of bled together. I think they are kind of big picture. Season, you know, 401 through 513 is kind of one giant season you can break in half. Um, I think they all do kind of mesh together. And Ryan Murphy originally wanted, um, instead of a seasons five and six, he wanted four and five to each have like 30 episodes each. And really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. So you can kind of tell he was not breaking the seasons the way, um, you know, you traditionally would do it. So I think the storytelling, again, it was, Glee's always had some weird pacing issues and this was just kind of one of them. Like when you take, uh, you watch I Do, you watch I Do, watch Girls and Boys on Film, watch Guilty Pleasures, and then watch um, Shooting Star for the Blaine Context. And then watch Wonderful, it kind of all makes sense. It kind of all, like, to me, anyway, I'm like, okay, maybe I've just read enough fan fiction to make it all make sense. But (laughs) when you slam them all together, think of that it's only, you know, between one month, it kind of flows a little bit easier. And I I think at the time, especially when it was airing as well, we had all these, like, we'd, we'd have mini hiatuses between episodes as well. So that just kind of made it seem an even longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So like that just added to it. But yeah, yeah I feel like I mean, I'm not like, uh, U- U.S. spring uh, viewing periods suck in this uh, <laughs> because you have uh, what? <laughs> all the all the basketball in March that preempts shows for like weeks on end, and and so. You have like the the big gaps between this episode and that episode, mm. and then you don't see any episodes for a couple weeks <laughs> at a time. So, yep. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about with Sweet Dreams is the Rachel plotline, and mm. uh, basically Rachel is going to go on her Funny Girl edition. Um, first of all, there's the last um, scene with Shelby. Of the show, yeah, uh, where we get to see her one more time. Shelby actually gives some good advice here, where she says, "You know, you don't want to do straight up Barbara. Um, you want to do something different that shows off you that you can handle the material, but also shows off you." That's actually uh-huh. very good advice. Um, and they kind of get one less. You know, they also mentioned that now that Rachel's in New York, she's spending a little bit more time with Shelby, or seeing a little, seeing her on a little bit more regular basis. And it makes me sad that. This, we talked about it in season three that Shelly would have been great as like a, a theater teacher for the kids. And yeah. it's, you know, and I, and, you know, and this is the only time in the show that Shelby as Rachel's mom really works for me. So it was nice that Shelby got this kind of a closure because we will not see her character again. Yeah. Well, you can infer that she went to see Rachel when she was funny. in funny girl and yeah. I, but I'm glad they didn't have her because that wasn't really part of like that plot line at that time. But like Rachel definitely like, had her at least her dads and Shelby and and people that weren't in the the episode. 
that that went to see her other than like Sue who's walking out mid mid show. Um I mean and then like later on like uh Holly and April are gonna be like, Yeah, we have a website for former guest stars and <laughs> yeah, Rachel's <laughs> mom is one of them. <laughs> but anyway. Um Oh, oh, I forgot to mention also at the beginning, she gives this whole speech about her dream being Fanny and she dresses yeah. up as Barbara Streisand and, and, and has a little shrine and it's definitely, um, you know, one thing I quickly want to mention is that it's set up so much that this is her dream come true. And then later on, and then she just kind of drops it. Yes. But the re- actually I'm going to throw this out here. I'm going to defend the writing on this. I think there is a story there. Where you think, you know, you want something so badly, and then when you get it, you realize it's not yeah. what you wanted. I think there's a real story in that, to be honest with you. So I don't... I, 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 I think that's what they they went for at the end of season five to the beginning of season six, where, like, sometimes your dreams do come true, but then there's life after your dreams. Right. So I think that's what the story was, you know... Could could have Glee told it a little bit better, yes. But yeah. I think that I don't think that it's completely out of nowhere that Rachel does a one eighty on it. So, um, so that's just my two cents yeah. about that. Uh, I, I think just the issue was that yeah, she went on and on about it and like talking about this being her dream, and it finally happened. And then you have this the scene in season five where it's like it just kind of it's her doing that walk, like the multiple versions of her doing the walking. I think it's to the uh, is it the VT song. I forget. Um, and like the routine of it and I guess like you again this is we've already discussed this you forget that these are only meant to be like 18 19 year old kids but like I feel like that's also a letdown on the producer's part like surely if you've got this you know kid doing your show you'd have someone around to like talk them through it and like help them to adjust to what's going on but no that's a bit about like um Niada too where like the role of Niata is to prepare them for for the um, professional world, which is not actually true because, like, a lot of people become professional Broadway actors without ever going to a uh, performing arts school or even any college. But, um, like, this is how it was set up in the show that um, and and how... Uh, Thibodeau tried to to portray it that like they're preparing them to become artists and that they need that that like guidance before they they go out into the world and that's why that's why Rachel goes back to Niata in the end but then they like drop her when she actually gets a part but anyway that's getting ahead of that's like I mean not to be like (laughs) not to be like yeah not really um she has a last phone call with finn and interestingly enough i i like the scene between the two of them where basically finn knows her well enough to kind of give her the advice that she needs to just you know to be your authentic self and go for it and i i but i still like them as friends who you know yes they dated they had this relationship in high school that was very meaningful and now they're kind of on their own different paths but they're still like they mean something to each other. I still really like that mm-hmm. story. Um, like she, he talking about like, you know, I'll come and see you one day. And it just kind of like broke my heart to think that he never gets to. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, 
This, this the whole episode takes on such a bittersweet quality now. This this phone call very much echoes the phone call in um, Swan Song, and mm. and reminds me of that that phone call in the same kind of like. Well, no, the one in Swan Song was after she performed. No, it's before. Oh, it is it before. No, you're right. It's after because she won after that. I I don't because she had already won and she was he he had knew that before she told him. And, yeah, and, yeah, she, and she was thinking about him during it or something like that. And and this is before, so that's different. But um, just that it's kind of that reminder that he's always going to be her person, mm-hmm. even when. She hates him and not hate, hate, but like, you know, angry at him and they're, they're apart and they're not talking. She'll still like turn to him. The thing, the only part about this conversation that I didn't like, because I forgot that it happened, was that she thanks him for what he did with Brody. And I was like, don't thank him. That Uh, was bad. But other than that, the rest of the conversation. <laughs> I completely forgot about that too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I didn't have that in my notes. The end of Brody. Um, well, yeah. that's because I, I like delete Brody from my mind yeah. most of the time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but, yeah, we can just skip over that gross little bit of <laughs> grossness. I do think it's funny where he's correct. He's like, okay, you can yell at me because that was wrong. I should have done that. And she should have, but whatever. And then she says, no, I owe you like a debt of gratitude. I was like, like no, you don't. That was awful. Uh-huh. Anyway, he says he can't wait to see her do the show. And, oh, like, honestly, not – we didn't know this was going to be their last, like, scene together. And it was – well, I mean, other than the number. And it was a really nice, like, not bookend but, like, a pause. And you could see what they were going to do, especially when she talked – like, Rachel talks about, like, what she saw happening at the very end. Like, it was all going to come together and make a lot of sense. And it just kind of makes me sad. Well, so let's talk about um, Rachel's audition. Uh, there's a couple things that I want to bring up. First of all, this really pisses me off. The very beginning, there's this opera singer who's singing opera. And she's killing it. I don't know if you've ever tried yeah. to sing opera. It's freaking hard. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for those people. Because what they can do vocally is circles around a lot of people that just do musical theater. So the fact that they just, like, dismiss her offhand just drives me crazy. Whatever. I, I, I think the dismissing offhand is more, like, she doesn't match at all, like, what we're No, I, I get like, that. Like, they could have said that rather than, you know. Yeah. She's awful. Did she, they say she's awful or just, like. No, well, no, they said that's what made me, like, they suggested that, like, Get her, like, you know, burn her uh, resume. We're never going to call her type thing. <laughs> but they were like, that we shouldn't have open auditions. Like, yeah, if you have open auditions, specify, please, this type yeah. of music. Like, this type of singer. Like, have, like, you know, you have to be this. I don't, I'm not musical, so I don't know any of this well, kind of stuff. But, you know, it, like, it reminds me sort of like of the, um, the cheerleading. Uh, uh, montage tryouts where they have like a <laughs> but that's funny and they obviously can't do the, like I mean it's just ridiculous 
this is that she can actually sing. But I think the other thing that really bothers me is that the girl, the woman is overweight. And so it's just like, you know, it, yeah. yeah. Like if she was skinny and singing that stuff, like they would have just been like, whatever. But that bothered mm-hmm. me too. So I'm like this, the whole little joke. I get that it's supposed to be a funny and a joke, but I don't, I, I, I'm like, no, Glee, I think you missed the, the, you know, no. I will say though, I will say that people in Hollywood and whatnot are that vicious. I mean, they will judge you, you know, on anything for anything. So anybody that's going out to that kind of stuff, be ready for those kind of comments all the time. But Mm. I just, I'm like, whatever, Glee. Um, now, Rachel, I have a funny story about Rachel's audition, okay? Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I have a very good friend of mine who lives out in New York, and he's an actor. And I was talking to him, and I said, you know, hey, if I wanted to go audition for a musical and use a Journey song, you know, what, what, what would you think? And he said, he, you know, because we're typing. I'm not actually talking, but he's typing. And, and, he, and it's a long, long thing, and he, I'm waiting and waiting. He's like... He's like, well, is it for Rock of Ages? Is it for a rock musical? I said, no, it's for Funny Girl. And there's like a long pause. And he's like, okay, here's the thing. If you, like, if I said, because I literally said, you know, if I did, don't stop believing. And he said, look, you know, if you go into a, a, um, if you went into an audition, um, and these, I mean, I know they're saying that these are open auditions, but that's not even what an open audition is. So it's a whole nother story. Uh But, um, He's like, if you did that, the person playing the piano, uh, the accompanist would be like, are you sure you really want to do this? Um, <laughs> they would, the directors would probably stop you like a few bars into the song and it would ask if you would have something, you know, else to play. And then the last thing he writes to me, he goes, he's like, Pam, please do not do this. Like, this is a bad <laughs> idea. Do not do it. And I'm like, no, it's not, I'm not doing it. He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Don't like if you're going to audition for a musical, Shelby's advice is really good, but you also have to take into account what you're performing or what you're auditioning for. Um, if you don't sing, don't stop believing in a funny girl audition, just no, I like that's maybe only for Rock of Ages, <laughs> yeah, maybe for Rock of Ages, but not not for Funny Girl. Um, now well, that. When you audition for anything, you have to, like, keep in mind the style of the music you're auditioning for. Like, if you're auditioning for an acapella group, for example, you have to think about, like, kind of look at what the repertoire is for that acapella group and, and like, find something that's similar but not one of their songs. And... Um, you have to find something that really showcases your your voice. And a journey song does not showcase your voice for, very well. Unless, like... Well, unless it's a you know musical about journey. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she does sound really good on the song. But, but like, it does not nearly show what she's capable of. Exactly. And you want to you wanna choose a song that, like, shows your range, shows, shows your emotion... Mm-hmm. Shows like uh, uh, your depth, and um, but also fits the style of what you are trying to, you know, exactly. Do. So mm-hmm. that's that's why singing opera, a beautiful uh, performance of opera, is not good for this either. No, and I so, agree, I yeah, agree with that. But I just didn't like the way they framed. Yeah, the no, joke. no, yeah. yeah. So I get that, but but yeah. 
they just wanted to throw in throw in Journey again. And, like, the, yeah. the story is really good. Here. I think that it's kind of... Because it does feel like, why are they doing this now? But they, I think that they knew that Corey probably wouldn't be back, any, you know, soon. And I'm glad that they were able to get this in before the show ended. Or, uh-huh. or like, a true throwback yeah. to the pilot. Because I think it's really kind of cool... Had to show how far they came. And I actually really like this version of Don't Stop Believing. I know because it's the Rachel yeah. Solo, it gets like the least amount of votes when I do polls on this. But um, I, I think it's really gorgeous. I love how they bring back and they try and do like a very similar choreography with it. Um, and I think it's really pretty cool. I mean, she did a lot of the singing on the original Don't Stop Believing anyway. So like, <laughs> does it, and, and so it doesn't really like make that much of a difference. I, I did write down in my notes because I forgot that um, yeah, Kurt had another scene. I was like, Chris, you get that money. And then I thought the same thing of like of Amber as Mercedes. I was like, this is that they brought you in just to do this. <laughs> but you know, but it was it is nice to see. I mean, and then you know you can always it's interesting like how much Kurt has grown. I mean, everybody else has oh, been different, but I mean, definitely Chris has grown so much in those couple of years. Mm. Now, behind the scenes of this episode, I remember it was him and Amber, and it was pretty funny. Because I think they asked, like, you know, who's changed the most? And he was like, me. <laughs> like, duh. But it's really cool. I love seeing it. It does kind of tug on some nostalgia strings, which I think they were going this for. Is, this is before, like, this is the third time I think they've done it. Because they did it in season one twice, and then here. Um I mean, they only really did it four times. So I think the fact that people were like, oh, well, they did it too much. I don't think quite when you think of it as separate, like as drawn out as it was, I don't think they really did it too many times. No, I don't think so either, but, but, um, I think, yeah, this version is probably is one of probably even one of my favorites. I don't know. They all got different things I like about them. Right. But the as throwbacks in this performance, one. I really like this one. I like coming yeah. back and watching it. I mean, I, I don't really watch this episode very often, but when I do, no. if I'm not just skipping for it through it, you know, you know, I'll come back and I'll watch this and stuff like that. So, and then, of course, the the fact that it is Corey's last does kind of it it makes it so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So the last scene with Rachel is her, you know, waiting, and Kurt's actually in it. And it's, this is so yeah, far at the end. It, As I said, I forgot that he was in it. Yeah. Um, it is kind of like, oh yeah, he's actually in it. Um, he doesn't really do much. Um, he's just her support, which is fine at this point. It, you know, it makes a lot of sense um, that, you know, he's just sitting there, you know, being her support system. So it makes it, I don't know. I just, it makes sense he's, to me. He's already had his big revelation for the season. He has, he's realized Blaine and he's in Niata. What else does he need to do? Yeah. So, I mean, really, Kurt's story can't progress until they decide yeah. to do something with one of those two <laughs> things. And yeah, um, it is sad. Yeah, or dad, which is well, yeah, we'll talk about that in the next episode. But um, so um, but he, I, he looks really cute in the scene, being like nibbling on the cookies and being all excited <laughs> for Rachel. And um, I want to know how many takes they did of her throwing the phone like across the table where it fell off the table. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would have happened. So. Um, so yeah, she, and then she gets the the call back. I'm glad that they made her go through. I mean, it's not just like, oh yeah, she's now. You know, it's. I'm glad that she went yeah, through multiple callbacks. I know people got sick of the plot line, but I'm like, 
Uh, it makes sense it to me. Somewhat believable. Yeah. So. Yeah, we don't want like a a eighteen year old Rachel all of a sudden getting everything handed to her without a little work, at least. <laughs> then it would make even less sense when she throws it all away. Uh, so the only other thing that I want to mention about Sweet Dreams before we wrap up the Sweet Dreams part of it that we didn't, we forgot to kind of touch upon with the Coach Ross stuff is that, first of all, she wants to make them do a blood oath, which Blaine yep. is like, is that really safe? And she's like, I don't think so. Let's just do the oath. Cracks me up. <laughs> I appreciate later. Blaine. I think he plays the straight man so well in this season. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Feud when he's like yeah. going against Sue. Yeah. And then um, the other part of it is um, after that, when they storm out and Blaine is on to Becky, um, because Becky Mm -hmm. kind of sort of admits, not really admits, but kind of alludes to the fact that she knew what happened. And so he, he, um, he goes and tries to talk to her about it. None of your business, gay Blaine. (laughs) Your gay business, gay Blaine. (laughs) And she knocks over another xylophone. I love that there are always xylophones when she's angry. Like, okay, part two, lights out, which is this episode is such a mess. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I do think this is my least favorite episode of season four. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I don't know. I probably agree. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the Britney one much. Um, but I think this one probably trumps it. Although it does have some good parts. There are, yeah, I will say there are some good parts in it, but I think just overall, and I think, so to put it into context, um, this was originally supposed to be, there was originally supposed to be an entire plot line of uh, Sam and Blaine and Artie and possibly Finn going undercover to find out what, what Becky did. And it was cut because of the Finn stuff, because Corey went back to rehab. So, um, yeah. So we get this kind of choppy, or in some places way too long, episode uh, (laughs) that goes just under six minutes. I skipped it. I didn't watch it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we will get to that. <laughs> but uh, I think it's kind of nice. I, I, I'm kind of glad that they like skipped some of the Becky stuff, that they didn't delve too deeply into her story cause, because of the the controversy. Uh, right. Not controversy, but like just the... It, the question, it, it's questionable why they, they used Becky in that role. Mm-hmm. And yep. maybe they would have explored it and it would have been good, but like this is Glee and sometimes that kind of thing, they, they really like screw up. So yep. I'm kind of glad they didn't go that way. Okay. So here's my first big issue with this episode, right? They, j- okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the lights go out. Okay. In the school, the lights are off. School would be immediately canceled. You'd send the kids home. That's what you do. Now, let's put into context this show just had a school shooting. Do you really think they would keep the kids in there with the lights off? <laughs> I, I'm just like, how irresponsible is that? I, I can't Actually, even. Actually, I, I think my school would have kept us in. No, um, we would have been we, just out of no, there. No. Yeah. Okay, so one time. <laughs> 
just had a school shooting? Toilets went out. Like, the toilets didn't work. And they bust, instead of canceling school and sending the kids home, they bust the high school kids, like, a, co- a, a few classes at a time down to the middle school and back to go to the bathroom. Well, that's oh, different, though. That's not the entire power. But that's... Well, yeah, firstly, the lights go out, but the PA is still on, and I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, he explained it. It, it was I like, know he did, but it still didn't make sense. <laughs> like, he still, he still had his massage chair <laughs> and the PA. Like, essential electronics only. Not only that, I can even understand. Okay, so part of the day, okay, whatever you get through the rest of the school day, they would not be allowed back in until it was fixed. That's a, that's an issue. That's like like legal issues up the wazoo. They would not be let back in, and obviously this takes place over a few days. So the whole yeah, concept true. of this episode is ridiculous. So the darkness in the school. Yeah, it wouldn't be that dark. The interior hallways would be dark, and in the auditorium would be dark. Michelle, the choir. I'm sure we've seen the windows in the choir room. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, maybe they had an eclipse that lasted multiple days. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing. Okay, so a couple more things. First of all, they mentioned Frida Romero, and they'd already cast her as, like, she's going to come in just at the season finale to be, like, the new star of the new Vocal Adrenaline or whatever. The new Charisse, or, uh, what was her name that Charisse played? Sunshine? Sunshine, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah, Frida Romero was brought on, and... There was rumor that she was originally going to be uh, Finn's love interest. Or uh, they were just speculating that she could have been. And they also, um, Nurse Petty might have been. Um, yeah, but because they Penny said. Actually, like, was. Yeah. That, that would make more sense than Sam. But um, <laughs> the Frida Romero yeah. stuff was. It never really went anywhere. I mean, they made a big deal out of her coming on. And. Who was she? Was she an American Idol? I don't know what you... I have no idea. I don't know. So, I'm not sure. Another uh, talented (laughs) Filipino-American. Yep. Okay. Oh, and then, so, the last thing that, you know, drives me crazy about this, you have this acoustic music, and you don't feature Darren Criss on it. Mm. (laughs) Mmm! So, do bloody acapella at the end! Flip the table! Oh, my God. It just frustrates me! (laughs) Like, like, Will, you wouldn't think to talk to Blaine, you know, he led an acapella group for, like, two years? <laughs> no? And he's, like, supposed to be your leader, like, your mm-hmm. student leader? Like, yeah. Maybe he's still being passive-aggressive and gross after last episode. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, well, it wasn't really... Um, it was Sam, really, who wanted to do... He wanted a song that he wanted to do. It was, um, You Lost That Loving Feeling. And it's a nice little song, but Artie's, like, texting through it. So he gets mad at Artie. And Artie... Yeah, it really kind of is. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about Sam's characterization in a minute. But, um, 
Yeah. Then they do, eventually they're like, we're going to do the most amazing number with, you know, everything that's not plugged in. And so they do, we will rock you, which is a nice number. I do like it. Um, they basically the do, what's the, the, the muse, there is a Broadway musical with all the garbage cans and, um, that bandstand. Uh, I haven't seen it. I just, I know that one was a, well, see, this is the thing I grew up. The only thing that I wrote down was that I remember, um, this song was trying to do what, um, trash in the camp from Tarzan did. I love that song. I love that movie. (laughs) It just didn't quite get there. The only part I remember of that number is Jake's, um, pirouettes. And they're just as amazing as I remember them. You know, and I have to say, I think all the, and Blaine jumping into the the laundry. Well, yeah, Yeah. that's a, I love that. (laughs) I, I do think the the music of this episode really worked. Um, I think it they do. Sound, I, I like the numbers of it. Um, by the way, the one with um, that was last episode when when Blaine jumps into the laundry basket. It's actually during Sweet Dreams. Oh, it's like that. It's in um, that's in on my way, isn't it? Or it's just like season five. Maybe it was. It was. It, he's wearing his Cheerios uniform when he does it. He's wearing Cheerios uniform. Yeah. I thought it was during We Will Rock You. No, no. It's in the, that's in the um, it's in the auditorium. It's in, yeah, it's in the auditorium. I don't know. I thought it was season five too. I didn't watch the whole group songs. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's a cute group, by the way. But um, so yeah, the, I mean, you first have this premise that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and then you have like you know these the the theme of the song is to be unplugged and emotionally raw. I don't know. It it, it, <laughs> it okay. Okay, so, all right. Then we get this big rider story with the catfish. Uh, (laughs) And, okay. Um, But the thing is, we get... First we get Everybody Hurts. I want to shout out because this is a montage of everybody who hadn't got slushied getting slushied. Getting slushied, yep. Um, I know that they wanted... Brittany. Yeah, Brittany does not ever get slushied. So, Uh, but... And it's a nice, I actually, I'm not a huge writer fan. I do like this song. I do think he sounds good Yeah, on it's it. actually a nice number. I thought the same thing. <laughs> Though I like how they literally, like, set this premise up. It's like, we're going to be unplugged. And then Will's like, but Ryder asked me for a full orchestra. So <laughs> here's a full orchestra. It was like, all right. <laughs> no instruments except Ryder. Except a full orchestra. Because he wanted to be <laughs> unplugged with his feelings. Okay. I'm not going to, I don't really want to talk about it much. I'm not going to belittle it or anything, but there is the whole story of um, Ryder's abuse in his past. And I think the thing that's unfortunate is that they basically, they, you know, Sam and Artie are like, why are you ashamed of some girl feeling you up? That would be awesome. And yes, yeah. they're very much in the wrong, but I don't think that's something that Sam would normally say. I think that they had oh, no, no other no. character to say it. I mean, Artie does, it does make sense that Artie would say something like that, but um, it just feels like they threw Sam under a bus on that one. Well, we yeah. returned to one of the, my least favorite things about season three, and that was this whole concept of manning up, because they literally say man up. And I was like, oh, gross. Um, but you're right. Yeah, this, this is not something that Sam would say, especially because he was a stripper. I don't know. Like, Oh, that too, yeah. Correlation, mm-hmm. but like, you know, anyway. And the worst part is, is that the story kind of doesn't necessarily go anywhere because maybe they were setting up Brighter and Kitty and they actually have some really sweet scenes together. But like, obviously then that doesn't go anywhere. So it's sort of like, 
what even was the point? So then, yeah, they get that, and then they get Kitty, and, you know, I do... Not to belittle either of their stories, because I think Kitty's is very, uh, you know, makes her a, a more dimensional character. Mm, it's important. But it's important, but the whole thing is just, like, it feels drawn out and... Doesn't serve a narrative purpose beyond, hey, this is a thing that happened. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, like, it's... Are they trying to set up Kitty and Ryder? No, Ryder's going to still, you know, I, and I even understand, I was watching this, you know, and I'm like, no, it does make more sense that Ryder would feel closer to this person on the internet. And I get that. Yeah, I agree with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you know, like Kitty, you know, feeling like she can't open up it. And I, I do think that, you know, in Wonderful, they're going to start setting her up with Artie. So I do get that. But like, it feels like, why did we spend 10 minutes on this whole Ryder Kitty thing? Uh, okay. So this is what this is what I wanted to know, because I wrote it down. Is this the storyline that they shoehorned in when they cut the Nightbird stuff? Yeah, that could have been. I actually think the stuff with the Raws is what they shoehorned in, but... Um, yeah, no, I, I was just wondering, like, which bit do you think they shoehorned in? I think a lot of... I mean, like, maybe little bits of this, little bits of the New York stuff, little bits of Raws... Do they have all the songs recorded already? Like, or do they go back? No, I think the songs were probably going to be... There might have been... I don't know. Yeah, sorry. They might have, like, wanted to edit some of the songs down for, like, at the ballet. They would probably edit that more down, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. You could edit out all of Isabel's whatever. We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Kitty is the character, like, hated her at the beginning of this season I mean obviously that's what she was there for and like from about shooting star on you start to like see more vulnerability with her and like I I would argue that you probably you know I kind of started liking her around Sadie Hawkins but that's just me so but she still yeah, did some gross stuff with in I think girls and boys on film, and they cut and they cut that scene where she apologizes, which was like the worst thing they could have done. Yeah, but and still. yeah, and uh, like I mean, it does a, a and then season five, you just really like start to like her more. Um, and when she starts dating Artie, even though like it's Artie and. I, I don't like Artie at all. I'll just admit that now, but... Uh, <laughs> but they uh, worked well. I like them. Yeah. I think, but I think it more had to do with, like, the real, the friendship between, like, Becker and Kevin than it did yeah, between, like... true. But still, I still like... I agree. Like, I don't necessarily like Artie, but I think he and Kitty worked well together. I I really like the, the evolution of Kitty, and I thought this storyline more than, like, taking Ryder's character anywhere, it kind of gave more dimensions to Kitty's Kitty's story because, like, she she has the whole I tell guys that my vagina has teeth thing and, <laughs> like, she's very standoffish and mean as a, like, defense mechanism. And, like, this this gave her whole story more dimension more than anything else. Yeah. And which, again, they never reference it again. I, I was going to say, but they just don't do anything with it. It, it doesn't really... I agree. 
like it gives her more dimension, but like not in a way that's ever referenced again. Oh yeah. So I don't know. Um, that's kind of all I really had to say about the that. Oh, other than um, Kitty admits that she's no longer longer dating Puck. Um, <laughs> which which oh we forgot again in Sweet Dreams. Puck mentions he wakes up with like three girls and he's like Puck, what am I really doing here? You know, it just cracked me up. Um, <laughs> but um. Yeah, she's no longer dating Puck, which is, you know, again, they're kind of setting that up for Artie, for her to be dating Artie, so. Yeah. But they, they, but it, again, it seems like in this episode they were almost going to get her to date Bryda. Yeah, yeah, it did feel like that. Like, she, she put things, herself out there for him. Yeah. And he completely rebuffed her or ignored her. Well, the weirdest thing I find, especially with Ryder, is that he... he he seemed sort of mellow at the end of this episode. But then, of course, as we know, he gets really angry again. And it's like, dude, you seem to almost be at peace with this whole situation. And then, you know, he blows up in uh, the last episode and being like, I'm quitting. I, I think there was probably more in writer stuff um, that got cut. Does that mean do you think, like, I don't want to say this out loud. Does that mean Finn was the Sam? character in that scenario i hope not yeah the the what so like we were talking about how it seemed out of character for sam to say those things about when Ryder. no 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 i I mean like um further on like why why Ryder kind of like blew up and quit and then he was back I, I always thought, like, Finn was probably the one that brought Ryder back. Oh, I'm sure. I think Izzy was just saying if she had been, if he had been in the episode, would Finn oh. have had Sam's lines? And I'm like, oh, oh God, that would have been, I heard been worse, but, like, actually. I feel like, especially the man up stuff, that always came from Finn. So it may have made a little bit more sense, but not, I mean, for maybe a season ago. But I would know. almost be like, Puck dropping in, and he would be like that. Mm-hmm. If anybody, it definitely is more of a puck thing. The only other thing about the, I I do think it's interesting. If before she had a voice, the catfish had a voice. Now she doesn't. Now they don't ha- give her a voice. I do think it's a nice touch in a you know plot line that now at this point we're all getting tired of. Um, yeah, I get it. But that's the other thing. Again, I feel like I give this catfish storyline. A little bit more like not credit but I forgive it a little bit knowing all of the stuff I feel like they would have wrapped it up a couple of episodes ago but they had to kind of extend it out with the whole thing with happening with Ori but um I don't know I also don't think it's necessarily that bad in retrospect um I'm no. again it's the same thing about how like this period of time it's actually a really short period of time but we forget it because of how long these episodes, like how much time there was between them and like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and I mean, yeah, I really would have preferred any kind of development with Blaine or Kurt as opposed to this catfish stuff. But going back and why it doesn't bother me that much anymore. It's no. still something that I'm like, I want to fast forward through, but it isn't anything. It would be, it would really be interesting to see what, like what plot they had for it with, yeah. with Finn. Cause well, I feel like it would have been like, developed much differently and mm-hmm. and it like I feel like there was potential that it could have been a a an interesting plot for unique that never yeah. got developed 
Yeah, and I, I still think if we had known it was unique from the start, it would have been more interesting. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people did think, like, even at the very beginning, there were people like, yeah, it's unique. And it got to a point where, especially once that phone went off in Shooting Star, where everyone was pretty much like, yeah, okay, it's unique. But why do they keep, why are they continuing to, like, pretend like we don't know who it is? Well, and this episode is definitely the one, like, if Shooting Star makes sense, they don't have anything in Sweet Dreams, and then if you would go to All or Nothing, then that, would, that feels like the appropriate length of the storyline. But this added part into it where they prolong it because they're just trying to stretch it for time yeah. does feel a little frustrating. So, uh-huh. All right, so moving on to the Becky and Sue and the kind of awkward wrap-up of the whole school shooting thing. I just want to know what was in those scenes. And I also want to know, like, did, did that scene with Becky happen before the scene with her and Sue? Or did it happen before the stuff with, like, Coach Roz? I know. I think that was all rewritten. I think it was all added in. No, but, like, where did that scene originally fit? The stuff with the Nightbird and all that, like, talking to Becky. Like, where did that originally fit? Oh, yeah. I don't think there was anything, like, there was no aerobics stuff. There was no... Coach Roz, there was no... Um... Do you think they added the aerobics? Yeah, I do. I'm torn. There's the night bird, but aerobics. I don't know. Um, there is a couple of things. Um, yeah, Coach Roz in this episode does feel shoehorned in. I don't think she's as funny. I get tired of the whole adult baby Robin thing. Um Sue, there is a nice little scene of Sue. I know I'm jumping down a little bit, but Sue, um, with with um, Becky, and Becky asks her to come back, and it's just that it kind of makes me laugh. Sue would not even be anywhere near that school. She would not be allowed within like 500 yeah. feet of that school if if that if she was really her. So her sitting watching is kind of ridiculous. But it is a nice scene between the two of them. I think they usually have yeah, and they have Becky wearing the um, same outfit. <laughs> Yeah, she's wearing a tracksuit like Sue. And Sue's like, why are you out of uniform? Well, the thing, again, I, I, these are always things that I forget. I think around this time was the time that Jane Lynch had been announced she was playing Annie. It, sorry, not playing Annie, but in Annie on Broadway. So that's the reason why they did this song. Like, I love it when they get on that cross promotion. She did fine. I, I mean, she did a great job with it. I This is another scene I kind of fast forward through, but I mean... Oh, I, I love it. And I think it's funny because Carol Burnett, who, Burnett, who plays um, Sue's mom, um, she, she was uh, that she sang that song in Annie in the like was in the original movie. No, she missed. Oh, wait, she just did the she, singing she, voice or she was she, actually the character? No, she was Miss Hannigan in the movie. Oh, okay. I haven't seen so, so long. I, I thought that was interesting. Like I did I didn't know that Jane Lynch played Miss Hannigan on Broadway. I didn't I didn't have that reference, but I knew that um Carol Burnett was because that's the original Annie that I saw yeah. growing up. And I, I thought that was funny. Mm. Um and then we get to it's the little like Blaine is actually kind of cheerleading in, in like for yeah, five seconds. He's holding up his spine. Got a pom pom on his face. Do you think that's his body double? Or actually Darren? Oh, there. that's actually, I never thought of that. I could have been. I don't, there's no real reason to have, have Darren double. there. 
Because, like, why else would they put the, it right over his face? Like, That's probably what it is. That is actually, like, oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Because then they wouldn't have to pay Darren to do that scene. Anyway, interesting. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then we get, uh, before I talk about the aerobics part of it, I, I want to mention Aww. that they do bring up um, a lot of things from earlier in the season and plot lines they haven't touched in like 10 episodes. And for example, Blaine mentions that he is student council president when he's talking to Sarah yeah. and they hadn't mentioned that since like Sadie Hawkins. So, or, I mean, I guess they did, maybe they did in guilty pleasures. I don't remember, but, um, it's something that just kind of got dropped. Um, so, um, but anyway, so let's talk about a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Still does a bit more than Brittany did, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Then not a whole lot. Uh, but, um, yeah, let's not talk about Not really, the because Tina's the one that organized the dance, so, like, and, and he doesn't really organize the the prom either. Sue organizes the prom, so, no, he doesn't really do anything much. He has a superhero club, and that's about it. But that's not part of being student body president. But I thought, because he had the gavel, was that, that was completely separate, wasn't it? I feel like I'm, like, amalgamating the group, the club yeah, guess, together. Like, yeah, he so did. He, for a student council meeting, he did have a gavel. Yeah, he yeah. he does. He he approves the, the vote for Sadie Hawkins, but it's actually Tina who, like, organizes oh, okay. and, like, decorates the gym and everything for it. So, he's just the little dictator. <laughs> so, talking about the aerobic scene, which I found <laughs> out, um, like, after it aired... I guess there's a famous, I don't know if it's aerobics video or music video or something. It's the call on, it's from call on me. Yeah. I'm pretty, I don't know. Yeah. The original music video for this song. Okay. Is this, this routine. Sexy people doing aerobics. Yeah. And this is an insane routine. I was like, every time I watch it, I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, I want to see Darren, I want to see Darren do it now. Because he's a bit more like fit and buff. Oh yeah. You gotta give him some credit for doing it then, though. I mean, he yeah, I know. <laughs> but like his legs now, he wouldn't need the undershorts. <laughs> very true. So to be fair, like, I was thinking like, oh, Darren, couldn't you be like, couldn't they have Blaine be doing this shirtless? I was like, no, it's okay. I've already seen Darren shirtless. It's fine. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Okay, so there's one little interesting thing that I I, I don't know. The scene used to be a little longer, so we all noticed that Blaine kind of like looks over at the sky and it's a little flirty. Oh, and the scene yes. used to be longer, and that he flirted with a guy, but the guy was actually looking at a girl behind him. And I'm so glad they cut that. Well, no, that was no, that was what I think happened in the original music video. Oh, I think was what happened. Like the the main person, I don't know whether it was a woman or a man. I'm guessing but the main person tries to flirt with. The dude, and I think the dude's looking at a dude behind her. Maybe I forget. I haven't watched it in a while. Well, I'm glad and, though that they cut it though because cut, I cut the, yeah yeah a cute bloody moment, which people is fine. Were, I remember people were getting pissy about that because people get pissy about everything at this point. How dare Blaine flirt with another guy when Kurt exists? <laughs> he didn't even flirt with him. He literally just looked at him. He <laughs> made <laughs> eye contact. Yeah, he made eye contact like. Almost puppy eye contact. Like, what are you looking at? And yeah, it's the dude really? that does the flirting. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, you know, it, it bothers me. I mean, and you guys know, and my listeners know that I, I am a big Kurt fan, and but I think this 
double standardness of Blaine uh, can't even look at another dude, or Kurt for that matter, any of them, can't like find somebody else attractive drives me crazy. You know, you can be married for 25 years and if, you know, your, your partner will, you know, if you guys are in a secure relationship, you can say to your partner, oh, that guy's good looking and not act on it and be fine. It just... Yeah, it, I mean, like, uh, later they're... At, uh, Blaine has the thing for Adam Levine, like... Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's really about, you know, like I said, if you're secure in your relationship, then, you know, you're going to acknowledge that other people on this earth are attractive. You know, just because you found somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with doesn't mean that you don't ever find anybody else attractive again. Uh, at this at this point, they're not even together. Like, yes, Blaine has this in his mind. He and Kurt are meant to be together, but they're not. So, you know, he can do what he wants. Yeah, who cares? It really ugh, it just drives me crazy whenever I see that kind of conversation on both yeah. sides. I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> I always yeah. felt like, I mean, maybe it's just because I found it again like it's something that I feel like I paid more attention to. I always felt like it was worse when Blaine did it, but I, I realized that the same thing happened when. Kurt dead to oh my god he's dating Adam how dare he like you know exactly so so yeah so yeah then we get um this little scene between Blaine and Sue where Blaine sorry where Sue says if I didn't mistake you for a butcher raise there's this Rayleigh girl Rayleigh girl oh man she calls him B that made me really excited I don't know why she's like B (laughs) um (laughs) But yeah, I do, I mean, Blaine says, basically, you have to come back, the girls need you. Um, it feels anticlimactic. I mean, and I don't know if it's because the original resolution was different, or what, but just, you know, the whole, yes, I infiltrated you to take you down, but now the girls really need you. They didn't do anything with that. They yeah, do I, so wait, you're, like, she, she says, I have respect for you for, for that, I was like... I I like Jane Lynch and Darren Chris's dynamic. Like they seem to like each other as actors and enjoy working together as actors. And like that would have been more fun than watching her go after Matthew uh, after Will like for the hundred fifth time. Like to mm-hmm. see something more interesting with two actors that liked working with each other. I even used to say Sue and Finn were a more interesting dynamic um, because he would play at her level and I think Blaine plays at her level. I just, well like, yeah. It worked in the first season but then it just got old and tired. This being Will and Sue. Like, it worked initially but then they were just rehashing the same thing over and over again. And as you say, even introducing a, this, a different character to do the same thing, it would have worked differently because they would have brought a different dynamic. Exactly. And to see, like, that that whole idea of, of trying to see Blaine try to bring Sue down from the inside and, like, Sue knowing it the whole time, but, like, wanting to see how far this little, like, whatever... <laughs> I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah, it would be really funny. Like, so wait, because you said before you did, you think that they added this aerobics scene after they cut. Yeah, I do. I think whatever it was was going to be a different resolution. So he probably said similar things, but just not straight to her face. You know, (laughs) I I think this this the aerobics scene doesn't really resolve it. He says that. 
But like she she doesn't exactly have the like I'm going back. It it doesn't have the the resolution here. So I could see this fitting in another plot yeah. line. I always thought that they didn't that this was always there, but I feel like it makes sense that it was added in just as like a yeah, yeah. we cut other things. Plus, plus um having him go to her and and like it doesn't really it it fits more in having a plot line where he's invested in getting her back. I also think okay, maybe I should rephrase why I don't feel like it fits in. That had I, I feel like the storyline with him infiltrating might have been longer at one point, and this scene wouldn't have been necessary if he was still going to try and break. But that doesn't make sense either. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it fits as easily. Um, no, I, I agree. Now you've mentioned it, I, I sort of agree with you. It's in. It feels like something that was just tacked in there to like appease people that might have otherwise gone mad, and it worked. But so, I mean, so we can all appreciate the aerobics part of it, but the Sue Blaine conversation, I'm just like, eh, okay. Um, and then we get the resolution of um, of Becky. You know, she doesn't go right to begins to to confess, but she gets you know Roz pissed at her, so Roz takes her in and. It's like, why didn't you just come straight to me? And she was like, I didn't think of that. But this is the part where I get Roz. Is like, I'm like done with Roz. I'm like, okay. We've, we've had enough of her. She's not being funny now. Um, yeah. But that's just me. Um, the only other thing in um, Lights Out that I, or, that I, on the, sorry, on the Lima side that I want to mention was um, the longest time is the last song that they do. And something that I noticed uh, you know, is that Blaine is wearing a bow tie. He is wearing a bow tie. I noticed too. <laughs> and I'm like, is the first, and this is even this whole ensemble. These this outfit is season a season three combination of outfits. <laughs> it's really, I mean, why would you pair gray with yellow? But um, but see, he wears a gray. I don't think it's the same gray cardigan, but he wears it's similar to the one that he wore in Big Brother, and then it's similar to the one that he then wears in Wonderful. Like there's some. Something about that gray cardigan or a gray cardigan. And something that was mentioned, I have a note down here. I don't remember what exactly it references. I think, oh yeah, when they maybe when they turn the lights back on, Figgins says something about that it's a new dawn. And this is another reason why I feel like this wasn't kind of all of this night imagery. They were like shutting off the lights on all of the stuff that happened, like this dark tone that was season four. Because this is, I, I'm pretty sure this is the time when Ryan Murphy got obsessed with the color orange. They're going to turn on the lights and wonderful. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's very purposeful, like all of this, like coming to a close. Maybe it was just because at the end of this three arc, three episode story arc with the shooting. I don't know. But at seasons four, dark feel kind of ends with this episode. And it's interesting that Figgins, I think it's Figgins. It might be, well, but I'm pretty sure it's Figgins, says something about, you know, it's a new dawn now. So. And no more Cheerio Blaine after this. Okay, I have a confession. I'm going to make an unpopular opinion. You can send all of your hate mail to me. I, I don't like the Cheerios uniforms on Blaine, Kurt, Santana, Blaine, Brittany, quite anybody. I just don't like them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Yeah. But that's okay. You're allowed to have your opinion. But it but is it's wrong. wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you guys crack me up. That's fine. I'm just not going to be as enthusiastic about it as the rest <laughs> of you guys. Okay, uh, well, you got to agree, though. The one that looked the best in it was Sam in that skirt. That's true. <laughs> well, and I won't say, like, I do think that they look very nice on both Blaine and Cart. It really accentuates various features on both of them. Yeah. Um, like, the fact that Darren is, like, at a tiny waist. I don't know. I think Blaine has learned a lot worse. Than the cheerio. Correct. Oh, yeah. I just that. don't like the. <laughs> I, I just personally don't like the design of it. But. Send a bow tie combo. But I, yeah. I, I think that, like, they they don't overuse it with Blaine or Kurt, either of I, them. Yeah, I'm very glad that although they were both technically Cheerios, they still wore, like, their own clothing. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I would have been really sad. But I do. Uh, t- Going back to to Blaine and and Sue, like he he says he's kind of takes the lead for and and talks for the Cheerios, saying they need you. Um, but he's never in a Cheerio outfit or or associated with the Cheerios again after that. Hmm. Yeah, he just kind of doesn't. Yeah, no, he's pretty much done. <laughs> yeah, like the last time you see it. Blaine, the Cheerio, is in Little Girls. I don't know. This show can never make up its mind on what it's wanted, <laughs> no. wants it, no, what no. it wants. No. All right. Well, um, unless there's anything on the Lima side you guys wanted to touch upon, we can move our way over to New York. And um, something that I forgot to put in my notes, but I have to mention it first because it kind of sets up everything. I think I must have skipped it on that rewatch when I was doing my notes. Um Basically, what this particular plotline is about, more so than anything, is Santana giving Santana a wrap-up of her season-long arc, which wasn't really much of an arc, but there is one there. Um, Santana comes in. She's got this chair she found from the dumpster, which I think is hilarious. And I wrote down, does it have bed bugs? Doesn't have bed bugs. It doesn't. <laughs> you know? Uh, she gets a few more points. Ugh, I got... I. I I had bed bugs last year and they were the worst thing in the world. Uh, I feel it like in my bones when I see that that episode. Like uh, uh, I'm like I'm like Blaine in the shower. <laughs> so she comes in and and I love that they hear this information from Tina. Like Tina is this still the biggest <laughs> gossip and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you think it would make sense again because they use this in season five a lot that Blaine and Kurt are the ones communicating to like tie the stories together. We couldn't have had it be like Blaine and Kurt to suggest that maybe they're at least conversing. No, it has to be Tina. That is a good point. But well, why would Blaine know any of this anyway? But but it's fine because Tina's like gossiping. I wouldn't like to think that Blaine and Blaine is like gossiping. No, and then they'd have to, con- you know, actually have a conversation about how Clayne are actually communicating, and we cannot have Clayne communicating unless they're in the same room, can we? No. <laughs> I like the, you know, I, I always went for the the story arc uh, or the the headcanon that like after I do, Kurt kind of like had to step away from like thinking about Blaine and like just to to re regroup everything. Yeah. Well, and if you and s- to explain why there was a silence between them? Yes, and no. I mean, if then after shooting Star, I would like to think they were 
communicating as friends, though. I mean, I feel like yeah. the I do narrative, I know that, you know, it, girls and boys on film kind of forces Kurt into, you know, evaluating his life choices, but um, I don't know. I get the feeling they're supposed to be having off-screen communication and rebuilding but it's, something. But, but, I mean, like, Maybe it's super fi- more superficial because Kurt is not in a head headspace to like. Yeah, they're not having long conversations about their feelings. They're just you know. Yeah. Talking about Sam's macaroni art, or you know Santana and bringing in chairs. That's. Yeah, like I feel like anything, anything would have been just throws a bone. God. <laughs> Do you guys feel it yet? No. Gotta really want it. Um, (laughs) so, but yeah, and I understand that this is about Santana because she hasn't really had anything to do since Diva, except for, you know, stalk around Brody. So, um, the one thing that I think is really sad is, well, okay, let's break it down. Sorry. I'm going on like five different tangents here. Um, cause this, this scene is really worth talking about cause it's so funny, but you know, I like that they get to a point because before last time they had like a group talk, they were going to kick her out. Now they're like, you know, we're really concerned for you being a go-go dancer. And I love that she's like, you know, I don't want to be a singing waiter or a funny girl, which cracks me a bit because that's like yeah. season five. <laughs> um, and then she doesn't want to take advice from TV's Blossom or Elaine Fairchild. <laughs> no, but I like, I just want to, I think this happened a little bit earlier where they're talking about what song she wants to do in, um, uh, Rachel's call back and she's like uh, when it we, we all know it needs to be run Joey run and I was like <laughs> why don't you do your classic run Joey oh that's right that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> that's it um I also like when when Kurt's trying to encourage her and he's like you got to get your motors rev and he for some reason like looks like he's jiggling boobs it's just really <laughs> I feel like Chris notice it's a Chris thing like he notices what he's doing and then stops <laughs> Oh, it cracks me up that they left that in there. Um, but, yeah, the whole point was that Santana was kind of going to get direction. And I'm sad for any fan of Santana that by the end of season six, she doesn't get a definite resolution the way everybody else does. I mean, yeah, she gets to be married to Brittany, but then what are they doing with the rest of their lives? The show doesn't really say so. Well, again, like, did they shoehorn this whole ballet thing in just because they wanted to do that at the ballet number? Well, that's what I want to know because they're, like, talking all about how, oh, she's a dancer. Like, yeah, she was a cheerio. We never actually saw her cheer, but, like, I guess she can dance. It always I, seemed so mm, I really did not like the ballet number, but I really liked the end scene where she, like, goes to the – the yeah. Miata um, class, and she like talks back, and the the teacher actually challenges her, like, "Then why are you here?" And she says, but "I would have kicked her out if I if she was talking back to me like that. Like you just yeah. walked in late." <laughs> but yeah, and then she sees young uh, her young self like that. That whole scene was really cute and very Santana and very like moving for her character but the, then the little the little Santana says don't forget about me again and she does she yeah does. I hate it when they yeah, do like that's a, just like a tv show thing for like one episode they make a big deal out of x y and z and then they never bring it up again I think in general that's a tv thing and it drives me crazy yeah 
Yeah. People like to say Glee that did that a lot, but it, honestly, there are moments where it does remember its own continuity, even if only by referencing it. it. Does and I, I really, you know, unless it's something like a like the first thing comes to my mind, like Lost, is an intentional serial drama in which it builds upon its storyline one episode at a time, and it, you know, it has to remember its continuity. But for the most part, like sitcoms or you know, and I know Glee is a dramedy or whatever you want, you know. They just, they don't, they kind of, I mean, there are, like, you can look at, like, sitcoms of, like, the 90s, and they completely forget what they did two years ago. So, mm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And just as an aside, to be like, we, we rag on the fact that Glee forgot about the catfishing storyline a lot, you know, from the jump to season four to season five. But that is not abnormal. TV shows do that all the time. Like, something happens at the end of one season, mm-hmm. and then you jump to the next one, and they don't reference it again. Like... Ross's monkey. Yeah. Like, he had a monkey for a whole season, and then it never got mentioned again. Yes, it did. Again, it, they used to, yeah. But I, but it's funny that you brought up Friends, because I wanted to, what I was going to say about that show is that if you watch it, you sit and watch it through, you have, um, every time they had a cliffhanger, they would wrap it up in the first maybe episode, two, three episodes into it, and then never mention it the rest of the season. And then it'd be another big cliffhanger. So they were great at cliffhangers. They sucked at the resolution of cliffhangers, though. Yeah. No. I, I used to watch Once Upon a Time, and it was really bad about that, too. That show. Oh. Like, it had these great cliffhangers. And then it would resolve them in, like, an episode. It was like, well, then what was even the point? Like, at least Glee resolved its cliffhanger. Like, they resolved the cliffhanger. Like, at least the catfishing one. It kind of got resolved. It wasn't necessarily a cliffhanger. And, and it wasn't really much of a resolution, but I mean, <laughs> no, but still there was something there. Oh, well, I mean, anyway, I just, I just, as a tangent, I just needed to be like, yeah, people rag on Glee all the time, but it's not the yeah, only show. I agree. I, I yeah. think it's unfair that Glee from its own fandom got shit upon as much as it did when there are shows that are worse that out mm-hmm. there, you know, and yeah. So, um, some other stuff in the okay. So we get the return of Isabel. Like I said, there's a lot of returning themes from the beginning of the season because they bring back Isabel. They mention Vogue.com. Um, the next episode they'll bring back Cassie July, and this is all stuff that we've kind of forgotten about because you know yeah. that was sorry all for half. <laughs> Isabel, I'm sorry. Isabel is not a real person. Like she's just too nice. No one is that nice. Yeah. Especially for somebody who works at Vogue.com, you'd think she'd be a little yeah. more biting. But, I mean, I guess that's the point of her whole first episode. But Yeah, but she just, like, where she's like, no, you'll get to watch from the wings. I was like, what? No, this doesn't happen in real life. You'd get in, in the way of all the baller, ballerinas. Yeah, so. they've got to run off the stage. The, um, the Kirk comes in and says, I think you're going to fire me because I haven't been showing up. Well, yeah, probably in reality, he probably yeah. would have been not fired, but like, hey, you know, you need to reconsider where you're, you know, if you're going to commit to us, commit or not. But I mean, like. Especially for an un- unpaid internship. <laughs> like. <laughs> then she talks about like quantity, not, no, quality, not quantity. And I was like, hmm, this seems not only indicative of Kurt, but indicative of Kurt as a character throughout this whole season because there hasn't been a lot of quantity, but I would also question whether there was a lot of quality and that's not his fault, but you know. Yeah, that isn't, but you know, I get it. 
Um, oh, she also mentions Bert having um, cancer, okay. which has not been brought up since Glee, actually. Um, but it's going to become important in the next episode, so we better bring it up now. <laughs> exactly. I think that like the show is like, okay, well, we're getting to the end of the season. Let's wrap up the plot lines we started at the beginning. Um, my original thought, I actually, I kind of wondered before all the stuff with Corey happened, if Clayne would have gotten back together at the end of season four. Um, yeah. So it makes sense, and maybe I'll go into it when I do my Love, Love, Love podcast, that it starts with, I think season five being bookended the way it is makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but um, I, I, I did well, wonder. I always, But I always remember, like, especially over that hiatus, they didn't, they were all, like, playing it down, and then, of course, then they stopped doing that, like, playing down, getting engaged. But I always thought the engagement was actually meant to happen in the third episode of the season. And I don't know why, because I think the Beatles episodes were originally meant to be episodes three and four. But I don't, I don't know, know if that's just me making stuff up. It was originally supposed to be something different before. Like, yeah. They had it written, yeah, and everything. obviously the quarterback wasn't going to be an episode at all. No, it was not going to uh, be an episode at all. <laughs> but I actually thought it was that the Beatles episode was supposed to be the original finale of season four, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Anyway, um, we get, okay, so I said I didn't want to talk about it, but I'm going to bring it up, <laughs> because if I don't, I'll get somebody yelling at me. <laughs> oh my god, there is a line that Isabel says, which is something about Chris and Darren, the directors, and obviously it's a nod to Chris and Darren, the actors. That's all I want to say about it, but if you guys really <laughs> wanted it, go ahead. What did, <laughs> you wanted me to bring it up, so I did. <laughs> What are, I, I think there was a couple of things like there are a couple of things I've always wanted to sit down and ask Ryan Murphy about just just to gauge what it, like one is the vapor rape and the other one is this line I was like were you just like looking to stir the pot like obviously that because this is yes. Ryan Murphy of course he's looking to stir the pot but like <laughs> just what why like I get you've got no issue with like bringing up fandom things as we see with later stuff and even you know the stuff with like Britannia and the like the, the um the lesbian bloggers. But, like, you, you're just asking for trouble. And I don't know. Ryan Murphy's never one to, like, not take on the fangirls. So oh, granted, he did write this episode, didn't he? So, yeah. this. Yeah, he wrote this episode, yeah. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say about this. Um, don't send me messages. I won't answer them. <laughs> um, here's my thing. Chris and Darren, never dated, not going to date, never whatever. That's not even a thing. But they also didn't hate each other. They were friends. They were co-worker friends. And they live two separate lives and do two separate things. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's, like, whatever you want to infer, not infer, whatever from this line. I don't think it means anything other than Ryan Murphy is a troll. That's it. That's all I can think about. I just, <laughs> I also want to know, what did Chris think when he read it? He was like, Ryan, what are you doing? Like, he probably what are you doing? chuckled. No, I, bet, I bet he chuckled at it. It's kind of, I'm more interested, what did he say, what did he think, I'm more interested in what he thought when Santana gave that big rant in season six. I mean. <laughs> he, look, he looked like he was going to laugh at that. Like, <laughs> I, I think anybody who thinks he got mad at either of those or or anything, like, you, you, uh, Chris has a sense of humor and he, he has a sarcastic sense of humor and he gets these things like you, you have a 
bad opinion of him if you don't think he can like take something like that and and laugh at it. And if you never got angry at Santana for ranting at anyone else like that, then you have no leg to stand on. Because <laughs> she did it to Will like one episode later, and I heard nothing. <laughs> that's because everybody agreed with it about Will. But <laughs> yeah, that's true, but still. <laughs> My thing, you know, I know there was a lot of conversations. The reason why you everybody wants me to bring this up is because there's a lot of conversations around this time period on who wanted to be on the set and who didn't want to be on the set? Was Chris tired of being there? Was he not? And I, I don't think it matters. I feel like, you know, I don't care what was going on behind the scenes. You know, there are some scenes that I, I do think are better than others, with, you know, claim. There are some, obviously, story arcs that are better than others. There are whatever, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I like Klain. I like talking about the story. I like these two, you know, characters. I don't, I, and, and everybody, I love Chris to death. I love him so much. But you know what? I don't give a shit what he thinks about the storyline or Kurt or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's how I see it. It's how I interpret it. And that's my anger or frustration is not at the two of you. <laughs> it's just in general. <laughs> I'm just in general sick of this conversation. God Pam, why do you hate me? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think it's a relevant conversation. I, I mean, I think that people were just picking at little things because they could, because they were frustrated, because it wasn't exactly what they wanted. And, you know, Chris is entitled to have whatever opinion to ha he wanted, and he, he did, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I can't. Yeah, I don't have an opinion. Yeah. So, so that's my two cents about that line, and which I said I wasn't going to bring up at all, but whatever. There it is. Yeah, but I like how it's just one throwaway line. I mean, it's obviously not throwaway, but, like, one line, and it's, you know, caused such – I mean, we even talk, we've talked about it for, what, like, five minutes already? Like, <laughs> this means that Ryan Murphy achieved what he wanted to achieve. Yes, exactly. It's not indignative of anything <laughs> other than making us talk about it. Which yeah, is Ryan Murphy exactly sitting behind his wanted. computer and laughing about dude, it. Dude, it just made me chuckle when it happened. Like, <laughs> it was like because we got like a double take. Like, wait, did they, did they just say what I think they just said? <laughs> kind of thing. But then I also want to know: Does Ryan Murphy know Goss on Christopher Nolan and Darren Aronofsky that they don't like? See, each other? there we go. <laughs> That's the real. That's the real question. That's the real question. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, so moving on from that, though, um, we get, you know, um, Isabel asking Kurt not anything like. I, again, this is a whole story is about Santana, so I guess I'm not really that surprised. But they're all going to go to the ballet, and we get the scene with um, Santana and. Um, Rachel and 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 um, Kurt later, where they're Rachel and Kurt are so excited, and Santana's like, "Can this get any gayer?" Um, <laughs> and they go in their little speeches about how ballet has moved them when they were little kids. And it's there are I, I feel two ways about this. On the one hand, you get Rachel who like it's talking about ballet being an important part of her life as a kid. And I get that. And Kurt talking about, I love the Kurt part where he's a little boy and he's like, you know, even if they were laughing at me, this is how I got my can do attitude. And I kept with it. And it's really inspiring. 
And that kid was really cute. He was. All the little kids were really cute. They were. But on the other hand, I'm like rolling my eyes a little bit because even though I, even though I did ballet as a kid for one year, I'm like, not every little girl likes to do ballet. I'm like, come on. Like, yeah, the line is like every little kid wants to grow up and be a ballerina. I was like, "Mm, I didn't. I know. That kind of bugs me. Like you guys. Even, and they even made a, they went out of the way to say Santana did it to piss people off and because she was a tomboy. But you know what? It made her feel safe, too, or whatever. And I'm just like, really? I preferred it when she joked, because she, she jokes early on with them that um, while you guys were doing whatever you were doing, I was learning the timeless art of crunk. Crunk. <laughs> <Which, laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> Um, and we forgot. Oh, so yeah, I agree. Oh, it's cute, but it feels contrived. Yeah. Um, we forgot to mention at the end of that one scene when Santana leaves and Kurt's like, "Will you take your chair with you?" Oh. <laughs> Makes me laugh. But anyway, so so then they go. Yeah, that's the whole ballet stuff. And then they have the six minute complete rendition of at the ballet. Um, oh my god. <laughs> Santana looks gorgeous in that dress, though. Just she does. Wide, like. It's a really pretty dress. <laughs> Again, same thing though. Isabel is not a real person. Like she's like, you get to keep the dresses. I was like, like in what universe do they get to keep those dresses? Designer dresses, yeah. Yeah. No, probably not. Um, mm-hmm. So this whole song, I can understand like a, a the whole thing, the a little bit of for Santana's story. I get it, you know, but. The whole stuff with Isabel, with not having any other context for her character. Yeah. I know yeah. people have meta the lines. That's fine. Whatever. I can get that. But, like, having the whole thing. And without the context of the musical, the the, the whole... Because um, in in the musical, the chorus line, um, the song makes a lot of sense with the characters who are singing it. But, you know, it's like some Indian was her dad. And what is going on? It's just out of context. <laughs> it's so weird. So having this entire thing is pretty, it is a pretty number. I do think they do a good job on it, but it's six minutes long and it stops the narrative completely. And, uh, you know, even I get, I just am like, okay, when is this done? Well, it's kind of like of all of the numbers that you've ever done that you've cut down for time, why specifically this one is the one that you're going to run like the entire number of like, because obviously you've got the like we get the audio, the full audio of pretty, like every song, and they cut them down. I got to think of so many other songs I would have preferred to hear the full version of. Uh, you know, Self Love Tango comes to mind. They cut that really yeah. short. That would have been. I mean, I wouldn't don't wouldn't want them to have done the same you, thing that Chicago did, but like I would. Do you, yeah. do you think they um, actually recorded like the whole songs of other ones? And then, like, just edited the video. Oh, you mean, like, the whole performance? Yeah. Oh, I never thought of it. I don't know. Surely, no, they surely they cut them down for time before they start. They have yeah, to what they do the is they record the, the songs work. that they're going to do. What they do is they record the songs they're going to do first. And then that's yeah. what your studio um, recording is. The one that you buy on iTunes, like, you know, you get, like, a four-minute rendition of Teenage Dream or whatever. And then when they do the, they have that so they can lip sync it to when they actually have to act it out. And then they cut it down for time. So um, Teenage Dream, they actually use a little bit. But like, uh, what, I, I don't know. They're, uh, basically all of them, 
you get like a, a minute and a half to a two minute rendition within the episode when the song is actually four minutes long. So, yeah. so they, they cut it down before. They didn't they use program. all of Teenage Dream. I think there are very few songs that they've ever yeah. used the whole thing. The only, actually, the only other one that comes to mind that they pretty much used the whole number of, that was um, As If We Never Said Goodbye. And that's actually one that I don't mind. I they, really Bohemian like Rhapsody, they did the whole thing too. But yeah. uh, obviously that was for narrative that, purposes. Yeah, that, that's because they had like the scene going on at the same time. Yeah, that one went really well. I really, I, I still remember. That. Well, and some <laughs> of the songs thing. that are shorter, um, they've put in the whole thing. But most of the time, it's you know, cut, it's yeah. cut. Like eight out of ten times, it's cut. So. And as I said, but why of all of them are you going to choose this? You know, I think it's an. You know, the, the editing was the real big problem in this episode. It's just a mess in a lot of respects, and I think it's it goes down to I don't know what they cut out of this episode, but they had to and piece it together really quickly and I think that this was just an easy thing to like because I'm sure they film the entire song too and they cut it down. Well no but that's what we were just discussing like I don't this would have been one I don't think they could cut I don't, I don't think they could choreograph an entire number and then cut it down I think they would cut the song down before they choreograph it but then that makes me think with this particular number did they have, have a cut down version and then decide actually we're going to do the whole thing let's shoot the whole thing. I don't know. Sorry, well, I just understood they, what you're saying. Given before. how yeah, difficult no, it is to choreograph a number and how little time they had, it does not make sense to me that they would choreograph the four-minute song and then cut it down. Like they would have had the two-minute cut to choreograph. Yeah, I don't know. Like they would not. Like, that's a lot of extra effort to go to for stuff that ended up being cut. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking yeah. with all of this. I, you know, <laughs> they were like, "We need more time. This song's six minutes long. Let's do the whole." Thing. Thing. Uh, part of me wonders if there's something in in um, Sarah Jessica Parker's contract that's like you're not going to cut my <laughs> like I have to have so many minutes on screen. Um, I don't know. But like because I know people really do enjoy this number. What is it that they like about? I mean, it's pretty to watch, but like it's just too long in my opinion. Like, what is it that they like other than the fact that they like Kurt's in it? Yeah, I enjoy it. To a point, I get like I get bored with the Isabel parts of it. Yeah. Like if there were no Isabel parts of it, it'd be fine with it. But yeah, I, I just there's no yeah. But it is. I mean, it's a pretty song in general. I'm not. It I have no problem with the actual song. But, and I like the ballet going on in the background. That's but I have all. I always have had a problem. This. I mean, even go back to season one when you stick somebody on the stage and they're just singing and it's like. You know, when you had Kurt singing as if he never said goodbye, he's walking around and he's emoting and he does, you know, Chris Colbert does a very good job at presenting various emotions through it. But when you just stick one person on a stage with no nothing around them and they're standing there doing nothing, and especially if it's a guest star whose backstory we have no idea about, it like yeah. just stops the narrative completely. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's unfortunate because... Again, I, I always keep coming back to it. Like, what? I just want to know. I want to see this original script for this episode. I just want to know what actually happened. Because, <laughs> like, we got so many other scripts. Couldn't we get this one? So after the song's over, this is where, you know, Isabel does, you know, the whole fairy godmother thing for Santana. And Santana's storyline gets more or less wrapped up for the season. Um, like I said earlier, it's a shame that they never really explore Santana as you know, 
this is she doesn't really get much to do in season five, I, you know, outside of her feuding with Rachel and she, I mean she gets Danny. Yeah, she does, but it's so for a couple of episodes. Yeah, but they don't really do much with that. Like I thought they were adorable together, and I thought I started that was such a great like I I guess that's coming from like I'm not in the sand uh, in the Britannia um, fandom, so I guess maybe. Th- like having this opinion would sort of be as polarizing as, as like enjoying Adam and Kurt. But like, I really like Danny and Santana together. Like their, their interactions in um, Tina and the sky with diamonds, especially. Yeah. Really cute. You know what I was thinking that Santana season five is kind of like Kurt season four. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, much to do outside the relationship drama, but it's even worse for Santana because Brittany goes away. Like at least for Kurt and Blaine, Blaine was obviously a prominent part of season four. Brittany was not around, so like I don't even have that. All right, well that kind of wraps up my thoughts on these two episodes. Unless you guys had anything else you wanted to add, they, you know, and it's kind of funny. These. They had, there's such a great run of second half season four episodes, but it, it, it makes me laugh yeah. that, you know, these are weaker, definitely, but also, like, the story, through storytelling, kind of gets all messy in this time period. And I know part of it's mm-hmm. the time thing, a lot of it has to do with the BTS stuff that's going on. Um, yeah. But again, am I giving am I giving the show too much credit by saying things would have been different had Corey, like, things not been happening with Corey? I don't know, because, like, I feel like I give this, I give these episodes, I, like, cut these episodes so much more slack than I would. I do, I do too. And I think also, I think beyond just the Corey part of it, I have to wonder if they were getting towards the end of season four and going, what are we going to do for season five? And didn't have a clear idea um, of mm-hmm. what they wanted to do because they feel they felt like, you know, the minute they graduate, um, with, you know, the minute they graduate, Sam and, and Blaine and Artie and Tina and whatnot, they're going off to New York and there's definitely going to be a different show. And, and I think that, you know, they weren't necessarily setting up these newbies to have storylines to continue. I mean, had Finn not gone anywhere, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. It's really weird to think about. I don't know. Yeah. I, at the same time, I really enjoy these episodes. Like they're, they're messy, but like they, they do have like gems in them. Yeah. I don't think, well, uh, I don't think Sweet Dreams is as bad as people give it credit for. I do. Lights Out still is the weakest one for me in season four, but, um, you know, that's better said. than, uh, better than the Leprechaun one. Oh, oh Pot of Gold. Well, I think the <laughs> Leprechaun one, at least, is, uh, the, the thing, the issue with Lights Out is the editing. Yeah. Like, the Leprechaun episode is just a bad episode. <laughs> I was going to say, a lot of this stuff, though, I will take season four's lows over season three's. <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. I would rather watch... Because it actually has characters, at least, that I care about. Exactly. I would rather watch this catfish storyline over Rory any day. So, yeah, take that as you want. And arguing over chairs. And the songs always get me through, like, the, the, the group numbers that they had in it. 
and uh, yeah, I season four has always been my favorite, and it always will be. Well, that's what disappoints me about season three is that I actually had some of the best music, in my opinion. But in season four, they kind of started going back to, hey, we don't have to try and sell as much music anymore. Let's do songs we want to do instead of like purely top 40. <laughs> so that's how I feel about it. And they they did like more group numbers that were actually yeah. numbers. Group numbers. Not, <laughs> not like group behind one person numbers. Well, that was because they, cause Rachel wasn't around anymore though. Like, yeah. <sighs> Well, I, on my personal, like a season two and season five, I really, really love. But season four, I have grown to love quite a lot. Yeah, same. I like, I, when it first aired, I didn't really like it at all. It's only on rewatch that I realized, oh, actually. And I it's really through it. these conversations, too. Like I, like I said before, that you, Pam, have really oh, opened you. me up to early season five i try i'm trying to make everybody my you know and it's kind of (laughs) funny as much as season three was tedious for me to film i think with the exception of some parts in the beginning of season three and some parts at the end of season three i like the show i like you know even season six and i will go through my whole season six when we get there but i I do i like the show (laughs) i think it's fun i i don't get you know usually there's always a storyline to get me through the episodes i don't really care about so um, you know, it's fun and, you know, okay, fine. It doesn't, you know, have curtain Blaine in every single second of every single show. And as a whole, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about it if I just liked the curtain Blaine parts of it, because yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot and of fun I, in a lot of the rest of I it. I mean, we just talked about two episodes that, that don't have a lot of curtain Blaine in them at all. And like we, we talked for Three hours. A while. <laughs> a while. <laughs> about that. Yeah, but a, a, a long time about these uh, two episodes because, like, the other characters mean something to us as well. And and the all the storylines, like, mean something to us. It's, I think this podcast has grown beyond just the curtain Blaine aspects of it, even though that's still the, like, the central focus and but it's it's a a larger glee uh appreciation it is i think one thing um to kind of end the the podcast on this particular note um especially since we're getting into stuff that i really really love again um uh, i think (laughs) as a whole it's been fun to to do this and, and i've actually learned something getting people on who really enjoy parts of the stories that I don't even enjoy helps me appreciate some of the stuff that I don't, I mean, I don't really care about any of the newbies, but the fact that I get a lot of people on who really love them and appreciate them, it it helps me gain any respect for those stories. And um, I hope putting a lot, a more positive spin out on this, you know, my listeners aren't like, you know, geared up to be angry about every other thing. So, so there's that. So, on that note, I am going to wrap up this podcast because we have been sitting here for a long time and I'm probably driving <laughs> you guys crazy. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming out and talking about these episodes. I know that they are not ones that ten, a ton of people signed up for, so I appreciate that. And um, join us next week when we talk about the very wonderful Stevie Wonder episode. Yeah. Have wonderful. So Have a great Sunday, guys.
around you My missing puzzle piece I'm the sun.